One, two, three, and two to four. Average Joe and Joe Boo on your radio. Ready, make a podcast, so turn it up. Cause you know we about to mix it up. With music, sports, games, and more. On the podcast, things you think you don't care about. Ain't nothing but a Joe thing, baby. Two guys with mics getting crazy. We picking up material daily. So don't miss an episode. Where we go one, we go all. It's TGIM time. It's time for Q. Q and A. Q and A. Q and non? Maybe. Could be. Very possible. The truth's going to come out one way or the other. One way or another, it's coming out. May not be from us, but it may be from somebody. We'll guarantee that you heard it both ways. That's fair. That is fair. But we hope that you learn the right way. That's right. We might just be going down the rabbit hole. We might be chasing that white rabbit. Might be getting lost in Wonderland. Someone offered you two pills, which one would you take? That's a good question. That's a fair question. But really, what's the deal with whatever's going on nowadays? What's the deal with it, man? What is the deal? I don't know. Well, I just hope I hope we do our best. I hope we keep things clean. That's fair. I really hope we do. And when in doubt, it's in the game. That's fair. (laughs) Has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. beginning to allow the veil to lift 
and allow themselves to see what they couldn't see before. Where we go one, we go off. Here 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 we go one, we go off. After the U.S. federal government flexed their authoritarian muscle at Ruby Ridge in Waco, a new surging patriot movement was born, and the federal government began branding them all as extremists. In 1995, a rental truck full of explosives was detonated in front of the Oklahoma City Federal Building, injuring over 600 people and taking 168 lives. The official conclusion was that Timothy McVeigh decided to bomb the federal building as a response to Ruby Ridge and Waco, thereby blaming the horrible act on American patriots. Timothy McVeigh claimed that the Army implanted a chip in his body. Former FBI agent Ted Gunderson claims that McVeigh was visited in prison several times by Dr. Louis Jolien West a leading psychiatrist in the CIA's mind control program who was connected to assassins Jack Ruby and Sirhan Sirhan and who conducted mind control research for the same company that McVeigh was working security at before the bombing. A Freedom of Information Act request revealed that the CIA had a spy satellite over Oklahoma at the time of the bombing. Controlled Opposition is a strategy in which an organic opposition movement is covertly subverted or recreated by the ruling power to serve as mass deception, social manipulation, and ultimately to discredit and destroy the actual opposition. The suspicious evidence surrounding the bombing only caused the Patriot movement to grow bigger. And the endless hours of suspect evidence surrounding 9-11 caused it to grow even more. Movies and books about secret societies and satanic cults planning to usher in a new world order began spreading. And for years, patriots worldwide speculated on how it would all come about. It is a big idea. A new world order. A new world order. On October 28th of 2017, the first Q post appeared claiming that Hillary Clinton would be arrested in two days. And over the next few weeks, Q posts began telling the whole sordid story of how Luciferian elites have been planning on overthrowing America for decades. The Q posts assured everyone that a Patriot Alliance led by President Trump is fighting them behind the scenes, repeating over and over again to enjoy the show and trust the plan. This is now becoming the mainstream narrative. Prominent New Age guru David Wilcock is telling his audience of millions that the Luciferian pedophile Illuminati cult is being taken down by the Alliance. He claims there will be three days of darkness when TV and internet is taken down by a looping government broadcast telling the world the truth of the Illuminati. During this time, he says that thousands will be arrested worldwide. Is this the truth, or is it something else? The reaction to the coronavirus appears to be a very cunning New World Order takeover. Globalist-run nations are suggesting that only extreme authoritarianism will save millions from dying. 
Economies worldwide are being destroyed. Civil rights are being stripped away. Many of us who have been speculating for years how this will all go down are seeing it very clearly for what it is. And the masses of people brainwashed by mainstream media are now joined by the masses of Q zealots and New Agers who religiously trust the plan without question. Some are even suggesting that the naval hospitals in the New York Harbor are actually prisons that the Alliance will fill with deep state criminals. Will they cheer as innocent New York citizens are dragged from their homes and quarantined aboard these ships? Interestingly, Q has claimed that Alex Jones and Infowars, who have been warning people of the New World Order for 26 years, are controlled opposition. And the Q zealots accept this as fact. Will they cheer for the Alliance if Infowars is taken down for good? And if they take down Alex Jones, who will be next? Many people suggest that Q must be good because Q has revealed the evil conspiracy. But the enemy is very cunning and clever, and a lie this big could best be sold with the art of paltering. Paltering is the art of selling a lie by using the truth. A 2017 Harvard study stated that paltering is effective because the use of active truthful statements is likely to both distort a target's beliefs and be very difficult to detect. The best lie is the one that has the most truth in it. The Q movement has become the new mainstream narrative. Is it the Great Awakening? Or is it the New World Order making its final move? Maybe there is a global alliance of patriots taking down the Illuminati worldwide. But who are they? Who are these so-called patriots? Who is to say this hidden army is not controlled opposition, posing as the American patriot movement? A great final lie to trick us all into a deeper state of tyranny, while they sacrifice pawns and reshuffle the deck for another round of their sick control game. If it were truly a revolution of the people, why are the people encouraged to do nothing but enjoy the show and trust the plan? If we are truly awake and enlightened, then we need to question everything. For Infowars.com, this is Greg Reese. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Average Joe's Media. I am the Average Joe Boo. And I am the Average Joe. And today we have a fantastic, fun-filled, information-filled session. We have a guest in studio and a guest from across the world. Guest in studio, Pat Cochran. Pat, we appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. Delighted to be here. And coming to us live from Taiwan? Taipei. Taipei. Taipei, Taipei Taiwan. Taipei. Yeah, yeah. No, just Taipei. I've heard it both ways, yeah. but I'm glad you're here, my friend. We have the great Todd Sullivan, uh, a, literally a world-renowned author, uh, published several books. Uh, one most recently, the second part, there will be one of the Windshine Chronicles. We're really excited to have you with us here, my friend. How are you doing over there? I'm okay. How are you doing? Well, uh, here at Average Joe's Media, we like to say we're living the dream. Living the dream, absolutely. I mean, we got we we're talking to you from across the globe. Yep. We have our, our wonderful guest in studio. Absolutely. And uh, we're wearing hot masks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm getting more and more thirsty by the second. I got to tell you, unless I cut a straw hole, this bad boy's coming off in a little bit. That's fair. <laughs> 
Plus, ah. America wants to see my beautiful face. Uh, do they? Ah. Hey, last episode, I got complimented that I was very handsome on the live on the live feed. Oh, you did? Just want to throw that out there. Last episode? Last episode. Okay, you have to go back. Good. Fact check me on that one. Good. Well, well I'm, I feel like... Uh, so striking features you've got. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's that reflective stripe you got. I can tell you what, uh, if you're if you're wondering, ladies, yes, uh, I'm single. There's there's not a ring on this <laughs> finger yet, so uh, holler at your boy. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, hey Todd, tell us a little bit about you, uh, and just kind of, I don't know, just tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm living in Taipei, Taiwan. I've been there for about six months, and before here, I was in South Korea actually, and I was there for ten years. Wow. And yeah, I'm, I've been teaching uh, English here in Asia, well, South Korea and Taiwan, for about eleven years. Really? Okay. Yeah. How's the uh, How's the teaching abroad? Uh, you know, it's I think it's more interesting than teaching back home. Uh, like I graduated with a master's in writing, and like if you do that, you're not going to do much more besides teaching. Uh, so I had an option of either teaching in America or teaching somewhere else. And I was aiming for uh, Japan, but uh, South Korea was hiring, so that's why I ended up going. When I went to South Korea, I only planned on being there for like probably a year or two. Okay. But then 10 years passed and I was still there. Well, um, we were, you know, brushing up on all the great stuff that, that is you, my friend, and we were reading a little bit where you've... Uh, you're a practitioner of sword fighting, martial arts, along with a couple other disciplines? Yeah, before, when I was in America, I did fencing for about six years. Okay. And then when I went to Korea, they didn't, fencing isn't very popular there, but there's this uh, martial arts called kendo, and that's really popular in this part of the world. So I started doing that, and yeah, I did that for like nine years in Korea. Nice. i got to tell you, I don't think it's... It might not be nearly as uh, regimented as, but uh, here in the states, if you, whenever you come back home, they're uh, a, kind of adopting fencing slash sword fighting martial arts, but they're doing it in the way of lightsabers. Oh uh, yes, lightsaber. We, we grew fighting. up with somebody who's pretty big in the game yes. in Florida. It looks a lot of fun. Lightsaber wars. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's a very powerful discipline with the force. It really is. It really I mean, is. all I'm wanting to see is a choreographed someone pushing the force and then simultaneously the other person like moving back or you know choking or something well, here's like my that. thing i want to see it's something choreographed like that that'd be if awesome. major sports don't come back and espn is running out of things to view and sports is an essential essential business in florida yes i'm saying lightsaber bring duels. back the ocho that's right <laughs> i want to see lightsaber the ocho. absolutely that so, would be awesome so todd i reading a little bit about the books um, and the series that you're creating, I got to tell you, uh, both Joe Boo and I, we're, we both have teenagers. Um, we're still young at heart and enjoy a good, uh, you know, teen saga. Just recently was doing the Divergent series and Hunger Games with my daughter, actually. And so what kind of made what drew you uh, to writing in this genre? So the fantasy one, it does go more towards um, YA, young adults. And it was supposed to just be, it's supposed to be what it takes to accomplish some kind of really big goal. Like that's basically what Quest is, trying to accomplish something really big and try and stand out. And so that's what drew me. Uh, I've been trying to uh, become more successful in writing over the years. 
like starting from a very young age up until uh, currently. And I just use the metaphor of a quest in order to kind of capture that whole experience. And so that's what drew me to the Windshine Chronicles. Okay. Okay. Well, I got to tell you, man, just reading some excerpts, man, I think, I think definitely we're going we're gonna to look at uh, downloading a couple copies off of Amazon, uh, which I believe both books are, <laughs> are there. So if you guys are curious about it, go check them out. Get you get you a copy downloaded on Amazon. Uh, me and Joe Boo, we are constantly talking about starting a book club. Oh. So this might just have to be book number one and number two. Uh, I'm maybe. telling Kelly about it. That's all I'm saying. And, 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 listen, Kelly. And as we transition, <laughs> Pat, Pat, we appreciate you coming in studio. Uh, Pat, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so um, I appreciate the opportunity to be on here with you guys today. Um, Absolutely. You know, I'm here because you guys know my wife. Yes. And the way I like to talk about myself is I have a pre-Emily phase and then a uh, post-Emily yes. phase. Yes. Um, before the pre-Emily phase, that, that part of my life, I was in the United States military. I was an Army officer, um, spent 10 years active, and then two in the National Guard. She hated the National Guard, which I don't blame her for. Uh-huh. Um, but... I was um, in support in logistics and okay. some of the things that I participated in, like I was a platoon leader in the surge in Iraq as part of the 82nd Airborne Division. Wow. Um, I was a supply chain planner on the Osama bin Laden raid back in 2011 as wow. a part of the Special Operations Aviation Regiment. Wow. And then that part of my life, even though I was doing some really cool things, I was a mess of a person. So I was an alcoholic, I was had all sorts of addictions that I was fighting, and then uh, I met Emily, and she kind of changed me for, you know, almost a 180. Um, nice. And even after I met her, I transitioned out of the military, and I've now worked for a Fortune 50 company. But I had that stint in the National Guard where I actually went to lead a couple hundred soldiers during Hurricane Harvey. So I've been a part of disaster recovery as well. So I think that's a very relevant thing that we're going through now with the COVID pandemic and you know, the experience that I had in Hurricane Harvey brings me a lot of perspective to the current situation. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been an interesting wild ride that I've had. And like I said, Emily changed it all when I uh, met her back in 2013 and it's been, been an amazing ride. That's for sure. Well, good. Well, we said it before the show, but we'll say it again on air, man. Thank you so much for your service. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, it's Thank just, you. uh, I don't think we can say enough. I know a lot of people, especially when you get into politics, you know, they like to uh, kind of pick sides. Unfortunately, our military and a lot of our first responders, our law enforcement, they kind of get put in the middle of toggling between both sides. But the fact of the matter is, is that y'all's service and y'all's sacrifices for all of us, regardless of what we're voting, regardless of what party, you know, we belong to and uh, putting your countrymen uh, before yourselves and even your family in some regards. uh, It's an incredible thing. So thank you again. Absolutely. I appreciate it. So, uh, as you guys can tell, Joey and I are uh, COVID safe here. Uh, we wanted to make sure that it was very obvious and apparent that uh, that our microbes uh, would not get on anybody else. Uh, it, or maybe, possibly. Well, here's the thing. Joe Boot likes to build things, as you all know from yeah. hearing and seeing pictures about the studio. So, uh, he actually has one of those automatic tape measures. Uh, where he pushed the button and it goes nee, 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 and it sticks out. So every periodically, every yeah. five minutes, yeah. uh, when we're doing other videos, uh, we're testing ourselves, making sure we remain six feet apart yeah. at all times. Because we sh- we shift in our seats, and I would hate to be five foot seven inches apart from somebody else. I mean, that three inches is is vital space there. And I got ourselves a pretty big bottle here of. Uh, let's see, I can't even read the thing. It's a uh, active antimicrobial hand sanitizer. Ooh. So. 
when this couldn't be found anywhere, uh, yeah. we were doing our, me and the kids were doing our, our country drives. Uh-huh. Shout out to the 7-Eleven out in uh, Princeton. Okay. <laughs> we had to go to the bathroom, and normally that's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, so we're like, oh, we got to go to the bathroom so bad. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, we'll just run to McDonald's. And then it dawned on us. We're not allowed in anywhere. Anywhere without anywhere. But thankfully, this this gas station, real nice guy. He put hand sanitizers like every five seconds everywhere. Oh, good. Um, you know the pump ones. He'd put his own plexiglass up. He was cleaning. Uh, so I mean, he was doing his best. Good uh, to keep himself and his customers safe from this virus. But he had two bottles left. Okay. And I said, "Can I buy those?" And and he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Can I buy both?" And I was like, "He goes yes." And I was like, "Capitalism. This Jackpot. is great." Jackpot. Yes. And. Uh, so I didn't, normally don't get receipts, especially right now. You know, you got to keep it. You know, you got to you got to clean your hands from yeah, yeah. holding the hand sanitizer. Well, once really you wash the receipt, right. the receipt you can't read it anymore. Exactly. Right? So, yeah. so a couple of days later, I was reconciling my bank statement, and so like two bottles of water, a pack of gum, and these two bottles was like thirty bucks. And I was like, that dude took me. Yeah, he did for a penny. He sure did. But it's smells- dude, you should have got some of the keep it clean hand sanitizers uh, made exclusively here at Average Joe Boos. I forgot to pick those up. Keep it clean, hand, hand sanitizer, man. I mean, you should have. It's our gift to America. It really is, especially. It really is in this pandemic. Keeps on giving. That, it, <laughs> it really does. Really, yeah. It really yeah. does. That should be that informational video Jack wants us to do in how to. Uh, yes, maybe we should just uh, we should have a make your own hand sanitizer. Day. Absolutely great. But yeah, so this stuff's pretty. Uh, it's like eighty or ninety percent, and uh, it's very sticky. So I don't understand what that's all about. Yeah. Well, but uh, you, know. you know, hey, shout out to CDC. That's right. Well, if your hands are sticking to each other, then they're not sticking to anything else. Boom. Okay. Boom. So, okay. So, Todd, uh, so you guys, uh, you guys, I'm sure, have been affected by this pandemic in some capacity. Yes? Yeah, uh, we have been. Yes, we have. So, uh, what is, what's your take on, on the mask and the wearing of the mask? Well, you know, I mean, here in Asia, they were already doing that sure. anyway, uh, even before the pandemic, because, like, here, when you get sick, you wear the mask. That's usually the only people who wear it. But still, you see it kind of pretty often, because uh, they don't, people don't want to, uh, you know, spread their drums to the people. So when I went to Tokyo uh, 11 years ago, that's when I first saw people here wearing masks. And honestly, they've been doing it. They've been doing it for a long time, so it's not. It wasn't really a big deal. Okay, here. so now you're you're used to seeing it. It's not a big deal seeing it, uh, but you're not used. You weren't used to seeing it before. I mean, nobody here ever wore it, right? And so, but the other thing is, but how do you feel personally about about you wearing it? Does it? Do you feel like it does anything, or is there a purpose in your opinion personally for you to wear the mask? You know, when I, uh, like, again, I've been in Asia for a long time, so when I used to get sick, I actually didn't wear the mask because, for me, the, I just think it looks, I, I think it looks silly. Actually, I, I'm not a fan of the mask. And plus, I have kind of sensitive eyes, and, you know, the mask kind of dries out your eyes. I, I generally don't like it. But I've been wearing it now for, I guess, uh, three months because I teach in a school, and you actually uh. have to wear it in a school. So your school, so your school's it. open. Right. Well, we could. I mean, this Taiwan didn't close. Oh. Like Taiwan did not shut down the same way that America did shut down. So my school, where I teach at, it never closed. Actually. Nice. It was oh, always wow. open. But schools, wait. 
uh, but I teach in a different, like I teach children in schools. Like the public school system here did close for a month and a half in which there were not, uh, there were no classes, but then they went back. But the private tutoring where I actually teach never closed actually. We stayed open their entire time. Well, that's fantastic. See, I, I'm a high school teacher and uh, we're doing the distance learning. We've been doing that since, uh, what, March 16th or something like that, somewhere around that. Yeah, I mean, if I think going back, we're like, golly, we're close to day like seventy or eighty. Yeah, we're into the we're into the seventh or eighth week or yep. ninth week or something like that of it, and uh, I mean, you know, it's not for everybody. The distance learning thing, a lot of people need to be in that environment where they have somebody there that's watching over them or that's influencing them directly, and you know, this is it's kind of been a little bit of a drag for the educational system in my opinion, because there's a there's a big benefit to, to being with the kids. There's a big benefit for the teacher. There's a big benefit for the student. There's a big benefit everywhere. But, of course, in the midst of all this, nobody wants to take any risks in any way, shape, or form. And I understand it. I understand. What are risks? Risks are now being defined in completely different ways than they have ever been before, which is a, probably a whole other podcast. But uh, And, you That's know, fair. I'm fortunate enough that I teach in a time of internet and the ability to get widespread information to people quickly from a distance. And so I've been very fortunate to be, still be able to continue to teach and everything, even though it's it's at a distance. And, you know, I don't wear the mask while teaching right now because it's through a computer. And I don't, I don't think – I think the computer is the best mask, actually. It's the best one. It, none of my microbes will get through the screen, I don't think. There might be some science behind that. There, well, there could be. Could so, be. so Todd, first of all, if we happen to get something to you, we do apologize if it comes through the camera. Uh, <laughs> we we did not mean to. We have tried very, very hard here, the average Joe and I. Uh, Pat, uh, I think you are a, a civil uh, – your civil uh, disobedience here is welcomed. We appreciate you expressing your freedom of expression freedom of speech and everything and not wearing the mask and freedom we're okay of, with it freedom of mouth breathing freedom yes yeah, well, freedom of, of not feeling like you're contained in some kind of a, a death trap here where you can't drink anything unless you pull the mask down and then get the virus well, uh, this so, is fixing to come down our, our straw holes are getting cut but it's really funny you mentioned the microbes yeah and uh, we're getting this benefit to talking to Todd and he talked about his first experience with mask I was uh Shout out to Spotify. Yes, always. They, they do this morning daily drive business where they pick some songs that they think you're going to like from your playlist, and they sprinkle in some news and some short, like no more than 20-minute little podcast segments. Sure. And so I was on there um, listening just the other day, and this podcast came up, and it was actually talking about it was talking about mass. Ah. And it was really interesting. There was a study done about 10 years ago. And after the uh, bird flu, uh, influenza, yep. uh, went throughout Asia. And so this doctor, uh, Dr. Anna Davies, I believe in uh, Australia, um, she was thinking to herself, well, what, what, happened, what would happen if this happened here? What are we going to do? And so she went around her house and she tried to pretend. This is over 10 years ago. She tried to pretend, what if I, this was happening here? So she got some old T-shirts. She got some... Uh, Vacuum bag. Uh, vacuum bag, yeah. They got some, uh, what do they call, tea towels or something along those lines. And even a, a vacuum bag, right? Like Josh said. So Yeah, okay. 
No, no, I was. I did listen to it, just so you. No, know. I know you did. I, I didn't I listen to everything it. you gave me, but I did listen to that one. Oh, it was good listening. It, well, well, shout out to Shots at Science podcast. Uh, right. Wendy Zuckerman. I think it's yeah. a gimlet. I thought uh, it was called Science Versus. Shots. We science. can we can yeah, well, we can know, debate over the details potatoes, later. Potatoes, really? Yeah, I'm sure but, if you just search Mask Podcast, it'll come up. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, you first might, time you might get a lot of unexpected results with that. First that's time, first true. time listening to it, and uh, true. anyway, so there's a bunch of names yeah. uh, they use, so it's kind of a little hard to tell. But anywho, uh, so the results of going into the lab, so she took pieces of these different fabrics, and then they shot like a, a benign virus. It was like a virus, but not like a real virus. Edit. Yeah, a virus, but not a real virus. COVID nineteen. <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah, but there really was. It, the conclusive testing in that laboratory environment was, is that the truth of the matter is, is that these things really didn't do anything. Oh yeah, they didn't really protect you. The most effective oh, thing you're making me do this solo. Keep going. No, I was doing it for dramatic effect. Oh, I see. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, dramatic effect. Well, I yeah, well, I'm sorry. You know, uh, yeah. Scene. Anywho, um, so, so the vacuum cleaner bag was the really most effective. But like she said, you cannot function in public trying to breathe into a vacuum bag because it's not a rebreather it's not it doesn't have really any type of ventilation it's not purifying anything it's, I mean, if maybe the air coming in but you're not doing anything with the air going back out that's correct and so the host basically tried to get her to draw a conclusion so you're saying this is stupid and you know it doesn't work and she goes well i, I can't necessarily say that but i can tell you it doesn't work great yeah. you know yeah, yeah. and she, she said po- it like was like 50 percent or less of, a, of an effectiveness or something like that and one of the things she pointed out is is that was just with a w- one use. Yeah. That wasn't taking into consideration how wet they would be until she referenced the cloth getting wet throughout the day. And so I tell you, the first weekend of this, yeah, rolled into a gas station, and uh, I thought I had to wear a mask. So I had one of these sleeves. And right as I'm doing this, I look out of my car. I'm in the very front of this racetrack, and I see two cops staring at me. And I got to tell you, it was a very surreal moment pulling a mask <laughs> up with sunglasses on and a hoodie. Yes. Um, at a racetrack. And, yeah. At a racetrack. This is looking, my favorite look in public. Looking, this is looking awesome. at cops. And so I'm already, you know, I got enough stress and anxiety in my life. So I'm getting a little few heart palpitations. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blank if you do, blank if you don't, you know, because hashtag keeping it clean. And so I walk in there and uh, I go to talk to the guy at the gas station. And this cloth automatically sucks in my mouth like a gag. So then I'm gagging on cloth, which is pretty embarrassing. Yeah. So then I rip the mask off to I'm tell the guy. I'm going to need another demonstration real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, instant replay uh, yeah. coming to you next week. Anywho, uh, we digress. Uh, love catchphrases. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, everybody was kind of looking at me funny and laughing because the people in there really didn't care. Shout out to Collin County where yeah. they didn't really have that many rules. Um, but I think this happens to a lot of people, right? You know, I went to get my hair cut. Yeah. Uh, I, I switched over to this little bad boy here. Try to buy local, so this is the uh, Huey, that American Hat Company. Did you get that at one of the cars that are selling masks on the side of the street, which apparently now are like a multi-million dollar business model? No, no, no. I saw I saw Huey on. Um, it was on some one of our media feeds, and I oh. like I like the Hat Company, and so they were selling these and the from the their manufacturing in I think Fort Worth or Denton okay. or somewhere a little north. You of You plugged them. Good job. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. Buy local, and yeah. so um, get a mask. Yeah, well, I mean, I, never mind. I don't. Well, I was going to say it. I had ordered some masks at the very beginning of this in case it got really bad. Yeah, and then come to find out those masks were coming from China, like yeah. most of the things we order, and they still haven't made it there. And I'm not going to lie, there was a there was a, a part of me in a moment was like, that's okay. 
That's okay. Uh, but uh, but anywho, that's fair. The mask, you know, it, they can get rained on. You can be out in the open. Yeah. What happens to the fabric degradation from washing it? What you're washing it with? Because you know people are trying to bleach everything. Right. You know, um, even inject themselves with it apparently because of a, a statement being misunderstood. That's fair. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I mean, it's hard, right? Because you go out in public if you don't have a mask on, you're feeling like socially awkward, you know. And then are you going to be? In I don't trouble? at all. Well, no, of I, course. I yeah. actually look at other people like, "What is wrong with you?" Yeah. Because to your point, what you're talking about, masks are supposed to be used in an acute setting only. Yes. They're a one-time use product. Yes. And they're really only meant to reduce large droplets spread from an infected person. Yes. If you're wearing it and you're not sick. Those particles, based upon how big they are, are going to pass right through that mask, and you're not protected in any shape, way, or form, even with an N95 respirator mask. Man, you so if, man. if you don't have an acute setting that you're in an operating room or in a clean room or anything like that, it's not doing you any good. If you're healthy and you have no presence of, of virus or bacteria that are harmful to others. Well, and how, well, how, before you go, I, I want to shout out to Emily. She's, she's on. I guess the kids are in bed. No, probably not yet. Not acting up? No. One of the two. Yeah. And uh, she said uh, the mass public doesn't even wear them correctly. Like, and that's... that's how so, many times have you seen somebody with their mask like this? I mean, if we, you're not covering your nose, what are you doing? We're, we're currently redoing our, our bathroom. And so we went to a, uh, a, a store, a uh-huh. retail store to shop for tile. Right. And, of course, this retail store is probably 100,000 square feet, and they have a sign-out that says, you know, no more than 25 total customers oh, yeah. in a 100,000-square-foot facility, which is absolutely ridiculous. But Absolutely it is. I digress, yeah. <laughs> to, to quote you guys. Um, but we get inside, and there's an associate manager wearing a mask and gloves. And as we're going through the checkout, the lady pulls down her masks... Starts eating. Did you say masks? Masks, yeah. She had multiple she only, masks. She only had one. Oh, I see. She probably should have had multiple, but okay. pulls it down, starts to eat, then pulls her mask back up. Doesn't change gloves. Ah. Doesn't, so what's, what's the purpose of the mask at that point? Uh, well, I mean, you got that, and you got the gloves, uh, and then you're touching all the stuff at the store, and then you're touching your mask. I mean, come on. They had hand sanitizer up front that said, please sanitize your hands for the protection of the employees. So wait a minute, if I sanitize my hands before I enter, you're telling me that everything else in this entire warehouse is sterile? Yes. That I... They are. That's what they on. are telling you. Come on. They're lying to you, Absolutely. but that's what they're telling you. Well, that's, so, so, you know, this is a different variation of the mask. This is similar to other masks in shape and stuff. But again, the more I'm going to talk, the more this sucker's going to ride up. Mm-hmm. And then you got a gap right there or like you just said you pull it down yeah plus you got gaps coming out to the side so again they're not making a what is the uh what is the term a hermetic seal am i saying that right sure boom nailed it first try and uh well then i don't think you did but he understood what you're saying credit though you have all this moisture accumulation happening because your your breath is going back and forth against this mask yeah and that's what he was talking about getting wet throughout the day yeah not just rain what, what attracts viruses and bacteria? Moisture Warm, and, wet and climates. Yep, yep. Right in front of your mouth. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think. Well, <laughs> no, it's fine. Well, I just have this. Uh, I have conflicting recommendations here. Two of the world's major health organizations disagree on wearing the mask. The World Health Organization discourages mask use. Says there's no. There's currently no evidence that wearing a mask, whether medical or other types, by any person. Uh, 
or by healthy persons in a wider community setting, including universal community masking, can prevent the, the infection with respiratory viruses, including COVID-19. And the Centers for Disease Control says that everyone should be wearing a cloth mask. I mean, it, either we are or we aren't. Well, I think we got another one queued up here in a minute where, you know, Dr. Fauci, who I'll admit in the beginning of this, I was like, well done, sir. Kind, calm, soothing, you know, voice in all this. But the more I've learned, the more I've seen, the more I've allowed myself to understand, the more I'm questioning things. And so, you know, some of our prep for this went back. I found three different interviews, one in March, one in April, one in May. And he literally said something completely different about the recommendations of mass. Nice. No, we're just started. Well, <laughs> I appreciate the interruption. What? Now, let's listen to Fauci. Let's listen to Fauci. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying uh, uh, inside uh, uh, there? Of course, and- of course. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill. Isn't this him right here wearing a mask? Doesn't he, didn't he just say we don't need one? Also, didn't he say that we should be thinking of healthcare professionals and people that are ill? There's nobody that's ill in this picture. There's nobody within six feet. <laughs> six feet of him that's ill, and yet he's wearing a mask. Man, yeah. I just, I can't handle the the spread of misinformation. First of all, that's... The biggest reason why I got out of watching live TV and news and everything else is because what's real, what's not, what's positive, what's negative, all those things are just they're just completely mixed and you have to you have to sift through everything. Now, apparently, I have a little bit of time on my hands and I can't I can't get out of the colander. I can't. I'm just there trying to find all the all the gems. Well, I got to tell you, I think the one thing you know, the older I've gotten, the more objective I've tried to be about things. Um, I was very passionate and really thought that I, I knew everything when I was younger. Oh, yeah. And didn't, I thought it was my job to tell everybody about it. Backpedaled off of that, switched gears a little bit. was more like, you know, let everyone else be a master of their own destiny. Let me try to figure out mine. Now I think I'm moving way back into center sure. uh, at this point of to where, you know, we, we have a platform. Um, we have a voice. It's... Why not use it to the best of our ability? And so in that, I'm trying to look at things. And so regardless of your political affiliation or your um, your sway of which side of the spectrum you want to be on, you know, as a human being, uh, as a citizen, as a resident, um, as an American, as a Texan, uh, I am just really, really frustrated and have been about the, mis- the, the, the misinformation um, and all the things we're being told. I mean, the hysteria that they've created in this country throughout this is uncanny. I mean, to be told on one hand, mask are stupid. Don't go get a mask. You're going to be fine. Everything's fine. Everybody did that. Yeah. And then they say, well, go get a mask. We only told you that because we were afraid we're going to run out. So it's like, so you're telling us if this science is real, you said, you know what? 
let's sacrifice a couple hundred, hundred thousand people or whatever. It doesn't make any sense. What about the Surgeon General telling us, you don't need a mask. You don't need one. You don't. And then, like a month and a half later, he recants and sides with the WHO, who initially said, don't wear a mask, and now the WHO changed their mind. So what, the Surgeon General's got to change his mind? Well, you know what? He might be trying to take a new approach, which I'm considering, which is just do the opposite of anything the WHO tells you to do. No, 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 no. He's now siding with the WHO. So maybe he started off That's with right, the yeah. right frame of mind. Well, That's so did the WHO. That's what I'm saying. And they originally said it's no mask, and now they're saying mask. And then, then the Surgeon General's like, okay, mask. Big Brother Fauci pulled him in. Uh, Fauci or Redfield? Which one? Both. Okay. Well, that's fair. They're pretty much the same person anyway. That's Well, that's that's also... Well, then, so... What's up with the scarves? What? I mean, that's the question I really want to know the answer scarves? to. Scarves? Not even a mask. Like, yeah. somebody putting, oh. like, a scarf over well, their yeah, face. Well, oh, yeah. yeah. She's got a scarf on all the time. Well, so, see, I got I actually got denied entry to Guitar Center because I wouldn't wear a mask. But they said if I could find some cloth to put over my face, then they, they'd let me in. So I pull my shirt up over my face, <laughs> and I'm thinking that that fits the rules you just gave me. And then he was like, "Nope, that that doesn't work." So then I went to uh, then I went to my car. I was like, "Well, I got a I got a kitchen towel. I can hold that over my face." He's like, "No, if it ever comes down, you know, then you had we have to kick you out." I was like, well, "What if I can tie it around my face? Because I, I needed something for the studio." And, I, and we were recording like that night or something, and I had to, I wanted to get going. So, so anyways, so I went in, I, I was able to tie that towel around my face, and it came, it came loose like two or three times because towels aren't intended for bandanas. And there was no other place where I knew I could go and get the stuff that I needed. So I had to like cater to this, put a cloth over your face just so you can enter the store and, and be a patron. And I was just sitting back thinking, this is this is ridiculous. Emily just said it's it's like this new social justice virtue signaling. It's how safe can you appear on the premise that you're taking all these precautions to make people have this false sense of security, yes. so they'll shop with you. Yes. Yeah, but the fault the thing that people don't want to understand, they don't want to recognize, is, is this false sense of security they're programming into us is to help fight against the unnecessary fear and panic that they put into the world. Um, I had a similar experience getting my hair cut last weekend. I was trying to shout out to Redemption Barbershop in Rowlett. I was trying to go out there and show them some love and support after they were uh, wrongfully removed from their, their residence. Oh, yes. uh, check them out uh, on some of their what they're doing to show them a little bit of love. But anywho, um, wasn't able to get in because there were so many people in the community trying to show up and, and uh, support them. Really needed a haircut. So found... Uh, one of the sports clips. Yep. Uh, in Wiley, down the actually technically Murphy, not the one I usually go to, but only had a sixty minute wait, so I rolled over there. That a boy. And uh, yeah, they don't let you in the store. They they come outside and they they do the temperature and they ask you all the questions, and then if you don't have a mask, they give you a mask in a bag. They which, give you one. Yeah, they, they provide they, one. Yeah, they yeah. So they want disposable. your business enough to where if that's going to be a requirement, they will give you a mask well, it's, so it's you a dis- can then buy something. A disposable mask and a Ziploc yeah. baggie. So, okay. you got to think about it. Somebody, hopefully they were following all protocols before they put the mask into the bag. But anywho. No, 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 no. Let's get into that. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, if anybody else comes within six feet of the mask, you're 
going to die of COVID. Number two, how do they put the masks in the bag? If they touch more than one, did they transfer from one mask to another? If they touched the bag, what was on the bag beforehand? And if that bag was somewhere beforehand, where was the person who touched that bag beforehand? I mean, we can get into a, we can go down the rabbit hole of where did the initial microbes come from that are on the mask that somebody else touched that they provided for you. Plus the the temperature check too. If you can be a asymptomatic carrier yeah. for X amount of time, oh yeah, before you even present with a fever, what good does a temperature check do? See, I've been I've been wanting to know the answer to that. I don't under if if that point if I'm if I have a temperature, then I, I'd be fearful that they were going to like sound an alarm and a SWAT team was going to come and yeah. get carried SWAT, away. In yeah, yeah, which we'll get into a little bit later. Oh, will we? Uh, yo, yeah, blah. Oh, uh, Thea, <laughs> I got I got a lot that I want to say about that. Okay, but uh, what? I felt really bad. The hairdresser I had, she was really nice, really sweet. We got to talking, and I work in healthcare, and, and uh, she had a daughter with of special needs, and so uh, we were able to kind of talk a little bit about that. So I, I had the utmost faith that she was doing everything humanly possible. You know, I felt encouraged because if she was risking her daughter with special needs life, I have a brother with handicap at home, so I I felt good about who I got paired with. Um, but she, the protocols they were going through were pretty crazy, so. Uh, they were trying to do single touch. So they would put the apron on you, but they couldn't touch it again. And then they would mm. they would do certain things. And so I was like, can you do my beard? And she goes, no, we can't do your face. Uh, but they're removing the mask to do the ears. That is what she said. And so <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> um, and everything. And so she's got a mask on. I got a mask on. Um, I think she, only, she had gloves on at one point. But then I was like, well. Can I still do the face and the shampoo? Because that's that's worth the price of admission. Oh, the hot towel! I tell you what, man, that's uh, that's my man spa time. Yeah, and so I do the double play. I don't really want you do the the double play. play. I want to do the triple double or whatever it's called because I don't like sitting out there. Triple double. Okay, on the MVP. (laughs) On the MVP. Yeah, I don't really enjoy sitting there knowing there's a bunch of other guys trying to get their hair cut while she's got some like 1980s massage thing for five seconds with, with a lawnmower engine on the back of it yeah yeah it's yeah. not i love that thing well i mean i would feel better I about it if they it was don't a more put that comfortable on there chair. long enough for you well no i agree with it so i don't want to pay for it so oh, okay i'd much rather have two of the hot towels two of the shampoos that's 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 heaven right there okay so she said yeah sure we can okay so we walked back there and she's like okay now that we're back here uh you know protocol you can take your mask off so I'm thinking, huh. if, if she's behind me, she's washing you. She's behind she's me, cutting my hair, aura. and uh, I gotta have a mask on. But yeah. when she's literally above my face, with me breathing into her the whole time. Whoa, whoa! What type? Yeah. Where's this sports clip? <laughs> I need to know where we're breathing into. But uh, I think but they yeah, call spa clips or something. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. It's, it wasn't in Florida, yeah. uh, and I wasn't with uh, what's his face, uh, Patriots. Well, no, I was thinking of the Patriots. Oh, Bob, convenience Bob spa. Yeah, yeah, Bob Craft. Yeah. But anyways, um, so the first towel she removed, and she put it in the trash can, and or not the well, it's not, it's a trash can they use for their dirty laundry, and so then the second time she's like, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to touch this one. You're gonna have to take it off of you, and I'm like, you just massaged my face, nice, with no gloves, like yes. you know, you know everything. So then we go, we walk back in there, and uh, and so I I got this big. You put your mask back on. Oh yeah, your yeah, mask you back did. on. Yeah, you did. So then I, it's already wet because I didn't have what I was supposed to do. That. I held it in my hands the whole time, which may or may not have been contaminated from all the different surfaces I was touching That's between point A and point B. Um, and so I get back there. And so then the hairy little thing they put around you because it was like sh- shearing a sheep for me. Right. Uh, so all that's just piled up in a ball 
in the chair. And I'm like, do I need to move that? I mean, I don't have a problem moving it, but I've never been asked to do that before. Never sitting back down on hair, which is not a big deal. It was just different. She's like, yeah, we can't touch that either. So then I have to take that huh. and put it in a receptacle for her, for her then to like just barehanded style my hair and blow dry it. It was just, it was strange. Nothing against her, nothing against the business trying to stay in business and follow the rule of law. Yeah. But a lot of this just rule doesn't make a lot of sense. There's sure. not a, a rational logic as to why we're doing the things that we do. And even if, say we had, say the restrict discipline around the way in which they did these things. If I went into the retailer to buy tile yeah. and there was strict discipline around what they were doing, not a manager eating with her gloves and her mask, uh. I might have more respect for the process. But when the process isn't followed yep. and it's incoherent and people don't know how to interpret what do I do in this situation, then it's meaningless. It's a meaningless process. That's fair. Well, and it's, and it's the, the plexiglass being held by a chain suspended in the air. I get it. I really, I understand the thought. I understand wanting people to feel safe. I understand wanting to take some control to, to know that you're doing something, right? Because we're fighting something invisible. I get it. But with my understanding of how HVAC systems work, centralized heating and centralized air, my understanding of the shelf life, right? Or uh, the lifespan of these, these particles, these molecules, this virus. If that air is being recirculated, and there's not like some ultra industrial hospital grade HEPA filter <laughs> cleaning the air going back in it. Everything you're breathing in in there, potentially. I mean, it's kind of like, not that everything in Hollywood's real, but it reminded me of uh, of the movie Outbreak. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to the movie theater, the one person sneezes, it's, you know, in that circulation, the whole town gets it. Uh, needless to say, I have not physically been back in a theater yet. Um, That's fair. But hey, Todd, so. In Asia, where you've been, my friend, or do they have any weird protocols when it comes to things like uh, uh, going to a barber or getting your hair cut or any other um, type of, of cosmetic uh, type industry that you've experienced? Well, the, the thing that I thought was kind of strange in the beginning, because we've been dealing with this since January, because, uh, you know, I think it started in China around December, and Taiwan is really close to China. And so we've been dealing with it for like maybe two months before you guys, before it came to America. But the thing I thought was strange was that, um, like, we were supposed to wear our mask in most uh, when we were out on the train on the MR on the subway and on the bus. But then you would go into a restaurant and no one would be wearing a mask, and so you could sit in a restaurant for half an hour where everyone's eating. And the restaurants here are really crowded because a lot of apartments in um, Taipei don't have kitchens, and it's like a lot of Taiwanese people eat out all the time. And so the restaurants were crowded and the coffee houses were crowded. Like it would be like without even seats. So it did seem kind of odd that, you know, you could have a, you were supposed to be really cautious on a train. You're supposed to be really cautious, uh, cautious uh, like in a, in a school or on a bus. But then when you go into the restaurant, uh, no one's wearing a mask, of course, because they're eating. And then you can sit there for like a half an hour. So that was kind of bizarre. But the, uh, the barber shops were all running and nothing really closed here except the schools. The schools were closed. The public schools were closed for like a month and a half. But everything else, more in the nightclubs, the nightclubs and the bars, they had to send police there to close those mm-hmm. down. But everything else basically remained open. So those are the main things that closed. The schools, the nightclubs, and the bars are closed for like a month and a half. So what you're saying is you didn't, you didn't have near the experience of any of this that we're talking about right now. 
No, uh, no, we didn't. Uh, people continued working. Uh, everything kept running. Uh, you know, so we didn't have the social distancing started honestly after it started in the West, and then it seemed to come over here because uh, people in this part of the world are actually just a lot closer in general. They they stand a lot closer together, right. but it's still not follow. But no, we didn't have the the experience that's having in the western world in america no now to be fair i feel like social distancing started when social media started that's when people started trying to communicate and they didn't want to be anywhere near you i mean to me that's the definition of being socially distant well i'm you're out of society but yet you're in the know and and communicating with people through a screen well, I got to tell you, I, I, not to jump subjects, I'll just say this one little thing, but okay. came up a conversation oh, sure. with me and you the other night um, with how they're handling the school stuff. I've been thinking about it a lot. And uh, I think Robert Smith, he just joined me and him. I've had a couple interchanges on, um, or exchanges on a couple different posts, and I think coming from the same mindset, um, you want to be safe instead of sorry later. You know, sure. if you're dealing with your kids, it's 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 very scary. And so now as more of this is coming to light, and, and it, it does appear as though this wasn't just a case of some honest mistakes. <laughs> there might be something bigger at play. There might have been extensive misinformation. There may be. I, I'm taking it a little bit personal. Yeah. I, I'm taking it. Uh, I'm getting a little bit enraged by it, a little outraged. Oh, very well, upset. Settle down, yeah. Joe. Yeah, Put that well, mask back I mean, on so people don't see your real face. Because I feel like the way that they've done things with the schools, um, to me – if it comes out that this really wasn't that big of a threat and all these different things, to me, the, the move on the schools was to basically bring our children into this, Yeah. whether it be as a distraction or used almost as a tactic to scare us. Control parents and, by the well, I mean, to uh, be honest. potential kid illness or sickness or whatever. We're occupied with our kids. We're more distracted. Yeah. We're more concerned on this. Absolutely. Um, There's a possibility of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's always the, there's always an emotional play to try to get people to react, whether it's gun control, whether it's terrorism, where it whether it's disease. Yep. As soon as you say, "Hey, we got to think about the children," then everybody starts paying attention. Absolutely. But if you look, South Korea really never stopped their school system. And I think they only had one really adverse medical outcome of a school-aged child in South Korea. And, of course, what happened, then they started changing the narrative here in the United States. Well, there's all these other maybe cardiac conditions happening as a result of COVID. Yes. And just yesterday I saw something that said, no, this isn't now an effect or a byproduct of of COVID. So you have to look at how the data presents itself to make a decision. You can't just go and just make a reaction. Yes. Because... It's myopic, and now you have all these second and third order effects. Well, this is a this is a second uh, separate podcast altogether, so uh, or at least part of the topic of another one. But I'm going to just throw this little dime in there. Uh, Hand grenade. There you go. The uh, the death reports. There have been doctors reported to have changed the cause of death on the death report to say COVID nineteen as opposed to what actually uh, what actually killed them. And the one that I'm thinking of uh, specifically, I don't know where this happened, uh, but I, I have a video of it. I don't have it queued up, so I'm not going to get it real quick, uh, maybe at all today, but uh, maybe next time, is uh, a motorcycle victim. He was in a motorcycle crash, 
he died from his wounds in the motorcycle crash, but because he tested positive for COVID, it was a COVID-related death. So he had COVID. He didn't die from COVID. But because he had COVID, it was a COVID death, and so that's a statistic now in the COVIDs. So death certificates are being changed because, uh, because of the potential legitimacy of this virus that they're using our kids for by shutting down schools by the by the, the fear of having to wear the mask i'm, I'm gonna get off of that soapbox because it's well it hold, could go hold, for a while before but. you move on that because oh, okay. there was <laughs> in the middle of the pandemic in italy yeah there was a report that came out from italy's Nas- national institute of health uh-huh. and a guy named dr walter ricciardi or i might be mispronouncing his name that's um, fair. Who's who's the director of their national institutes of the health? Pretty much their their Dr. Fauci. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Basically said the same thing Dr. Burks had said, where we're treating COVID deaths very liberally. So uh, if somebody dies with COVID, uh, we consider that a comorbidity. Yeah. And that we're going to report it as a COVID death. A comorbidity. But as they went back uh, and they examined death certificates, they found only twelve percent had a direct causality to COVID yes. being being the culprit. Yes. So if you extrapolate that out and all the deaths that have happened here in the United States with that same type of statistic, 12% of 80,000. Yep. So we could be only talking eight to 10,000 deaths as a result of COVID. Quick math. I love it. But when you also take into account that 90% of victims who are on respirators are dying. Yes. We also have to account for inappropriate or incomplete treatment protocols that are causing death as well. It's funny you say that. It's funny you say that. That was a great segue. That was a fantastic segue. Treatment completely unplanned. No, no, we shouldn't shouldn't have said that. That's the magic of Average Joe's Media. That's right. We we transition without knowing we transition. Absolutely. So uh around March nineteenth Unlike Bruce Jenner. That's (laughs) (laughs) that's fair. So around March nineteenth Hashtag a change is gonna come. I just want to finish the sentence. Around March 19th, uh, Donald Trump got on a press conference because he had been hearing reports from doctors across the world, uh, seeing data, seeing statistics that said hydroxychloroquine, uh, in addition to uh, ZPAC or erythromycin, yeah. and with zinc, or without zinc, yep. Yeah. Um, the combination or the in integration of those three treatments or those three medicines or whatever had a a fantastic rate of 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 cure or uh, removing symptoms or making somebody become immune or shortening pati- the disease whatever you want to call it they had a great uh, success rate with a combination of those three things and so I was on March nineteenth well on March nineteenth. Uh, that's when uh, the the FDA um, he was announcing that the FDA approved the use of this drug. Okay, well the thing about that is that
again, the misinformation or the con- contradicting information, the Trump getting on there saying these things, that was in support of the FDA approving it. And now it's, it's well, there cautioned been, against? There had been an NIH, NIH study back in 2005 that showed favorable medical outcomes from chloroquine on coronaviruses because, you know, COVID-19 is not an... Oh, Even yeah. though it's a novel virus, it's it's oh. just an, an, an another chain in a series of coronaviruses. Well, so. if you caught the Senate, uh, I guess the Senate trial or whatever it was, I don't know. They called them witnesses uh, with uh, Redfield and and Fauci and uh, Hahn from mm-hmm. and one other. I forget the other guy, but uh, uh, Fauci got caught kind of saying COVID sixteen, like. <laughs> Like, he was about three years behind on when they actually sent this virus out to people. Well, I mean, that, that adds up with some other material we might be getting into in I'm a little bit. I'm just saying. I mean, was it a misspeak? Was it was he reading 19 and he's slightly and dyslexic, slip. so he said 16? I mean, come on. He, you know he had some extensive study on high, uh, on COVID-16. Well, i got to tell you, what if I, I think we might be, might have another video coming up here in a second. Maybe. But what if I were to tell you, America, that... Uh, Someone in Africa had developed a dollar test kit and and uh, prescribed a medicine, a pill that cost less than a dollar. I think you got to keep in mind who are we listening to, who are we hearing from, and and what hopefully we're going to get into and share a little bit of information. A lot of the people that are saying this isn't going to work, don't don't take this; it's too risky. They're the ones that are pushing big pharma. Yeah. Um, the other drug study that everybody got excited about in the media, uh, remdesivir. Ah. I think I might have butchered Re- that. Remdesivir. Yeah, I got. I was, I was close. Go. I heard it both ways. So let's. But, uh, so let's watch the that? comparison between hydro hydroxy whatever hydroxychloroquine. That's yep. the one. Boom. There you when go. When you say it so many times and you're dyslexic, it starts to it starts to sound the pay, same. Pay in attention many to ways. the gym at the end as well. That was very mind blowing. There's for me. a gym at the end. The gym. The the comparison between the two? No, the little after when it talks about. There's a little golden nugget of information. Are we talking nugget. about the same video? Let's find out. Let's find out. Back to do a video comparing hydroxychloroquine to remdesivir, which is another drug that they just got done studying. And I want to just compare the two. So there's been a big mistake by the World Health Organization when they sent the study to various publications. So the Lancet Medical Journal was rushing to publish a study right away because of the success of this drug, and they accidentally sent the wrong study. They sent a Chinese trial, which, by the way, was randomized, double-blinded, placebo control with 237 patients. The problem with publishing the wrong study, using this drug, by the way, there was not an association with statistically significant clinical benefits with this medication. Whoops. So they republished the correct study that they wanted to show, which involved over a thousand patients. And it was randomized, double-blinded, placebo-controlled trial, but it only really showed a moderate improvement in recovery time from 15 days of recovery to 11 days of recovery. It's like a 30% improvement, but really nothing else. And of course, this drug is not going to be cheap. It's 750% more than the flu vaccine. So you see this in the media. They're really excited. They finally found a drug that is somewhat workable. It's a good start as they completely ignore the hydroxychloroquine. In fact, the media tends to filter out 
and showing the studies that don't work or actually make it worse when in actually they're just really bogus studies. They're based on a survey. It's not a credible study, but unless you read it, you're not going to find that out. And by the way, as a side note, hydroxychloroquine does decrease the risk of thrombosis. And if you haven't seen my video on the relationship between clotting and the COVID-19 virus, check it out. Just another benefit of this drug. However, there is a new study, I'm going to put all these links down below, of a French virologist who tested hydroxychloroquine and an antibiotic that showed that 91.7% of all the patients that were tested for COVID-19 in 10 days did not test positive for the virus. This is incredible. This should be on the front page of the news, not this drug right here. The mortality rate or death rate was 0.5% with no cardiac toxicities. And this is an extremely inexpensive drug. I think it's like a dollar a treatment. Obviously, the drugs that are really cheap don't get a lot of attention. Now, I'm glad you stayed this far because I want to show you an amazing story in Africa related to this drug that I think you'll enjoy. It's not just the Western world that has the scientific know-how to beat the virus. In Senegal, a laboratory has used its AIDS and Ebola experience to develop a $1 COVID-19 testing kit. Al Jazeera's Nicholas Hawk has more. Senegal is doing what most countries can't, testing everyone, symptoms or not, entering a health center for the novel coronavirus. It has no shortage of testing kit thanks to this lab at the Institut Pasteur. Researchers are developing a $1 quick diagnostic kit originally made to test for dengue fever. Patients drop blood or saliva onto the devices and wait for a bloodline to appear. Like a pregnancy test, explains researcher Amadou Sal. There is no need for a highly equipped lab. It's a simple test that can be done anywhere. The idea is to rapidly produce 2 to 4 million kits, not just for us, but for African countries, so that we can detect and isolate patients quickly. The sick are administered a cheap anti-malarial drug called chloroquine, commonly found in sub-Saharan Africa where malaria is endemic. With only 50 ventilator machines for 16 million people, Senegalese engineers are using a 3D printing machine to produce more. While imported ventilators cost $16,000, this one is just $60. Senegal is counting the cost and it's paying off. More than a month into the outbreak, the small West African nation suffered only two deaths, with most patients treated healed. Senegal has the largest rate of recovery in patients infected with the coronavirus in Africa, the third in the world ahead of countries like the United States and France. And while it has a tiny health budget compared to those countries, it has a wealth of experience in dealing with infectious diseases and outbreaks. Amazing, isn't it? Inexpensive, great success rate. Put your comments down below. So guys, hydroxychloroquine. First of all, I uh, want to shout out again, Todd Sullivan, thank you for joining us. He had to go, got on a little bit longer, maybe said uh, that uh, that he wouldn't be on for the hour that he was, but we appreciate uh, him staying around. Plus, he was on, I think, for 20 minutes or so of the of the prep. Yeah, well, it's so, early in the morning over there. It really so is. He's, he's probably got to get get to work. Yeah, I think we I think we kept him quite a bit longer than, than he anticipated, but we do appreciate uh, Windshine Chronicles. Everything. Book one and two. Yep. Uh, Hollow Men was uh, book one, came out December 19, May this year, May 1st. There will be one. Yep. Uh, the second installment. So give him a shout out. Give him a check 
on uh, Amazon. Show them a little bit of love and uh, yeah. get your book club on. If you you know if you want to read this book with Average Joe's Media, you message us mm-hmm. or send us a post. Message. Make sure you tag not only the Average Joe but the Average Joe Boo. Yeah, uh, because he's he's told me if the people say book club, he he's in on it. Well, Todd, I'm a math teacher, so if you have Cliff's notes, I'd be appreciative of that. But uh, but anyway, so touche. So hydroxychloroquine, far less expensive, far more effective in trials that have been conducted, and it's not being pushed. Why? It's not being uh, widely shown. Why? Well, there. I guess there's no money to be made from it. Well, I feel like that's Bingo. probably the reason. So you know, when we we talked about the before the but, clip. But listen, listen, listen. If if there's if there's supposed to be 18 million deaths, which I know I'm exaggerating, but and then that many you know just that many more in terms of percentage cases, wouldn't it wouldn't it make quite a bit of money? Well, I mean, obviously not as much as a seventy dollar treatment, but still. Well, I, I think most Americans feel this way, and this is why I think as more information comes out, if there was foreign actors involved in this, if this was not done on the up and up, I hope that all of us will will step up, speak up, rise up, and make sure this doesn't ever happen again. But most of us are fine with making sacrifice for the greater good. Most of us are fine making sacrifice for our family, for our, our fellow men and women in our country. Absolutely. So I think a lot of people are starting to ask themselves the question, wait a second, hold up. What did we do this for? If it was to save lives, then sure. If it was to protect people, obviously. But I mean, you've gotten small kids who were not able to see their grandparents. You know, we, we are not promised tomorrow. Every day is precious. There are people that have lost out on months of time with their loved ones uh, before, um, you know, it just, their time was up. Yep. Uh, and you can't replace that. Seeing the videos of the parents that are creating cellophane, plastic uh, sheets with the, the glove holes, uh, and these kids are crying because they're, they're able to hug their grandma for the first time in 40 days. It, it's, it's sickening. But, you know, I, I can relate. My in-laws, unfortunately, you know, my mom lives with us. Right. Or we live with mom. We live together, however you want to call it. Sure. Uh, but, uh, Whatever bow you want to tie on <laughs> exactly. that Exactly. I mean, but um, our in-laws, still very close to them, have not seen them throughout this because, again, being respectful of underlying health conditions and the family and all parties included, it was heartbreaking. Mother's Day, we finally got together, um, and it was really, really good. But, again, that was months worth of time uh, we missed out. Well, well so- and, and I I want to know is that we've always had medically fragile people in our country. We've always had immunocompromised people in our country. So true. why is this different? We, we've always had to take precautions, or the people who have those conditions have always had to take precautions. What makes this different? Well, if there's this much, there's this much outrage and this much outpouring of millions and billions and trillions of dollars for this, which, again, I think most people, the people that need to be held accountable are any of the people responsible for misinformation, misappropriation, and doing the bad things. 90% of the country, everybody was just trying to fall in line and, 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 and do their best, just like generations before had. So it's no criticism to anyone for doing what they thought was best and trying to follow the law. But... um, uh, Completely lost my train of thought on that one for a tiny second. Oh, you got it back. 
boom, just like that. Okay, you know what yeah. I mean? Cat like, cat like reflexes. That's good. But we started out with, we need to flatten the curve. Oh yes. Flatten the curve doesn't mean we reduce infections. Exactly. We spread infections over a longer period of time so that the medical system can respond to it in a better way. Yeah, that pro plan had nothing to do with saving lives. No. no. It was about not collapsing the medical infrastructure. Absolutely. And what I, I want to know what happens after this, right? There are other diseases that we, we don't publicize the thousands of people that die every day. We don't talk about the number of suicides that are happening every minute in this country. We're not talking about the abortions that happen every minute in this country. We're not talking about the murders and, and all these other horrible things that are happening to people in our country, in our city, in our state, and around the world. Are we going to stay focused on that? Are we going to, as a people, try to move heaven and earth to protect all life and to prevent senseless, unnecessary deaths? That's a fair question. What's the litmus? Well, no, I'm just saying, I don't know. No, well, that's what I'm oh. saying. You know, How do we establish going forward from here? You know, I looked at 2017 data. Over 200,000 people died in 2017, a non-pandemic year, from respiratory diseases or chronic respiratory infections. So if 200,000 people die from chronic respiratory infections in a given non-pandemic year, more than have died from any COVID-related diseases this year, why are we taking such extreme measures when we know twice as many die from respiratory infections? You know what the sick thing about all this is? Is that... <laughs> Again, we talk about time. Time is the one thing that you can't buy. Time is the one thing that you can't get back. For all these people, whether it's 30,000, 13, however many people have died yeah. during this span of time, regardless of what the outcome is, you know what's happened? No one's been able to be with their loved ones at the hospital. That's fair. No one's been able to bury the, their, their family or their friends that have died. They haven't been able to mourn properly. They haven't been able to say goodbye. They've been doing it from cell phones. And Skype messages. That's Which fair. brings up an important point. When we talk about medical informed consent, if you're not able yep. to make informed consent for yourself, who is there to make medical decisions on your behalf? Red a field. scheduled Red a field. scheduled Skype call. Fauci. Or, or the presiding yeah. doctor or yeah. nurse or whoever's in that yeah. room. But or it's not, one of the puppets. Or one legislation puppets. built into the ACA that nobody wants to talk about because no one's read all the pages. Well, let's talk about somebody that's from Dallas. Somebody that has some first-hand insight, Dr. Lozano. Let's listen to Dr. Lozano. My name is Yvette Lozano. I practice medicine in Dallas, Texas, and have been doing so for the last 20 years. I am an activist, and that began when Obamacare showed up. currently treating COVID patients in my office. Let's start just with some simple numbers. And we've heard these numbers, but I want you to think about them. 330 million people in the United States of America. 29 million people in the state of Texas. 2 million people in Dallas. 111 dead. Here is how it is notified to you. 27,000 positive COVID tests. 3,000 recovered. 111 dead. Well, if 3,000 are recovered from 127,000 positive tests, that's 124,000 that have recovered, right? Because we've only got 111 deaths. These patients present with a fever, a fever like the fever that you get with malaria. It comes on at night. They have night sweats. These patients present with cough only elicited with deep breath. 
so they are short of breath. Their lungs are tight, as though you would notice with an asthmatic attack. But most importantly, these patients present in panic. They are afraid. They are anxious. They're actually afraid to get diagnosed. Go to the emergency room, they're turned away. If they have a fever, they're sent home and told to quarantine to save the rest of society. During those many precious days when they're sent away and sent home, they infect their family members. And so a lot of my patients are in groups of families. From a physician that's been practicing for 29 years, I can't examine you through a computer screen. We can't Facebook or FaceTime for me to see what's wrong with you. I have to touch you. It's called a physical exam. And this is what I went to medical school. Go a little step further. Let's talk about treatment, okay? You would think that I would get some kind of guidance from the American Medical Association, the Texas Medical Association, the Dallas County Medical Association. Well, I was on a live telecast, and here's what I heard from the Texas Medical Association. We need to increase visas to bring in foreign medical doctors to help us take care of COVID patients. Really? That was my last call, right? Okay, so where and how did I learn how to treat COVID patients? Well, I'm gonna tell you. I learned it from the President of the United States, Donald Trump. Started slipping through the cracks and calling me. Are you open? Hell yes. Can I come in? Absolutely. That's what I make the big bucks on. And as they came in, I implemented the only thing that I had heard that had worked in other countries, countries that had been inflicted with this virus before we even knew its name. And so I wrote a prescription and I sent them home. And I added a little bit to the protocol that President Trump gave as I'm a physician and it's called the practice of medicine. So I gave them a couple of shots. Yes, antibiotic shots in the butt. Not one single one denied them. And guess what I found? To my surprise, the very next day, they were all amazingly better. Hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. It cost $13. $13. It's been on the market for 60 years. It is the candy for lupus. It is considered a vitamin for arthritis patients. And for some reason, those bureaucrats that are standing next to our president that think that they know more about medicine than I do are telling me I can't use it. The illness that they had was more caused by the stress and the fear of the propaganda that's being spewed on the news media than by the actual virus. Which again, readily available, $15 for hydroxychloroquine, $15 for Zithromax. I got a phone call from the pharmacist. He wanted to talk to me. He wanted me to tell him what the diagnosis was for my patient number one and what was the diagnosis for patient B and patient C. And so there's Dr. Lozano talking about uh, her hydroxychloroquine experience and how it was significantly better than all the other things that she could even, even think of because she wasn't given much instruction. I mean, Donald Trump gave her a little instruction. And apparently it was just enough. Well, I think, you know, we've talked a little bit in the past and we'll get into, I'm sure, more as the weeks go on. But the connection between um, some 
governing bodies, if you will, in yeah. the world. Sure. Powerful people and medical institutes. You know, it's really, I think it's, we, I think we talked about this last week. It's taken the medical community, the people that we trust, yeah. our doctors time to wrap their head around it. Um, in April, and I was really shocked that this happened in April, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons has a post on their website that says, Hi, I'm now that we've talked about how to say it, I'm going to butcher it. Yeah, you are. Hydra. Hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. I, was, I, I hesitated. Chloroquine. There we go. Chloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine. Queen. Yas. Um, it has about a ninety percent chance of helping COVID nineteen patients. This was in this was in uh, April, and so they talk about um, studies across multiple countries, thousands of people. Ninety one point six percent improved clinically. Uh, only sixty three deaths out of over two thousand people, and uh, but they talked about a portion of those, like eleven. Um, and a single retrospective uh, were for the reported from the Veterans Administration were patients that were already severely ill. And then, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll admit, um, I'll try to say this anonymously, a group uh, me and Joe Boo are part of saw uh, some, some uh, an article come out through this body that said to go start buying up zinc tablets and stuff. And I was like, oh boy, they've drank the Kool-Aid now. Now we're going to, you know, Buy up all these supplies. What good is that going to do? And then again, I'm reading this now, and it talks about the antiviral properties of these drugs. And, and when they're combined with zinc, they hinder viral entry into cells, and uh, they inhibit uh, replication. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's, again, so like in the beginning of this, <laughs> trying to be uh, you know, a, a sane, independent-minded human being fell for it. You know, it fell for just because you're constantly being inundated. Yeah, yep. And where do you get your information and what is real? All these places that you thought were fairly true. You thought you knew, you know, like some people would say, if you listen to Fox News, that's the far, far extreme right. You listen to MSNBC, that's the far, far left. Surely, you know, ABC or, or CNN, not, not CNN anymore, but, you know, some of these other media organizations, everybody, you know, finds the one they think is quote unquote mainstream. But it's all just different packaging. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And that's where I think the rise of independent media has been such a blessing to legacy media because six companies own pretty much 90, 95% of all media, yeah. everything that you're consuming on a daily basis from news. Yep. And you can tell it's all the same messaging. It's all the same messaging over and over again, packaged for different companies or different news stations in the same way. They say it's been surprising. I've seen clips where they've run together. Yep. Um, broadcasts evening broadcasts or morning broadcasts from like 50 or 60 different cities they'll say the same thing yep same word same reaction and you know being dallas fort worth native growing up wfaa my grandfather you know was a sam sam johnson Scott Scams, I think Scott Scams is the Scott Scams. Scott Scams. That yeah. sounds like he's on yeah. the right podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's Scott <laughs> Sams. Maybe I forgot his name, but uh, was an older gentleman wore glasses. The meteorologist when he came on, it was word of God, basically. You know what I mean? Like he he knew everything. Dell Hansen, all of them. We we li- we watched Channel Eight. That was our source of truth. Um, and I've been really disappointed. They were bought. Uh, uh, oh man, Below Below sold off all their uh their media and so now they're they're ordered by they're owned by a company search of the g um they're ordered by them too yeah yeah that's fair yeah. i said that wrong again you know here we are uh the bewitching hour getting close to nine o'clock that's fair um so anyways uh <laughs> um 
and some of my travels are throughout the state, you know, staying in hotels, uh, getting up in the morning, turning on the news. Those, it's the same thing. It's, I mean, if you it's, like it's just a giant echo chamber, yeah. If you yeah. like WFAA now, uh, any place in the state of Texas, you're going to find one of the companies owned local news stations, and it's the different people, different faces, different voices, but it's literally the same thing. And that was just really disappointing because, again, you had a news source that you used to trust, yeah, mm-hmm. that you thought was legitimate, and, and whether they were or weren't in the past is unknown. Uh, but now they're just a, a cog in a, in a big, bigger, much bigger mechanism. Mm-hmm. I think that has to be horrible. Much bigger mechanism. I feel yeah. like that is a great segue for our next topic of conversation. Let's, yeah. let's just see what it is. Because I was about to talk about hydroxychloroquine more, but I'll, I'll segue with you. Okay, good. <laughs> make a deal. We always make a deal. But it's going to be a different kind of deal because it's got to be a deal that respects the values that in the new world order regarding uh, local policing. And you pick the people that run those agencies and the deputies that are pledging allegiance to the new world order and good governance. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. It is a big idea, a new world order, a world in which there is the very real prospect of a new world order, after 1989, President Bush kept said, and it's a phrase that I often use myself, that we needed a new world order. There is a chance for the President of the United States to use this disaster to carry out what his father, a phrase his father used, I think, only once, and hasn't been used since, and that is a new world order. So that the problem of the Bush presidency will be the emergence of a new international order. Within the next four years, we will see the emergence of a new international order. The beginning of a new international order. The pieces are in flux. Soon they will settle again. Before they do, let us reorder this world around us. I think its task will be to develop an overall strategy for America in this period when really a new world order can be created. It's a great opportunity. It isn't just... A crisis. It's about the future of Europe and a new world order. There's a need for a new world order, but it has different characteristics in different parts of of the world. But today, with Asia already outproducing Europe, India and China are clearly becoming part of our new order. We are now facing a common challenge, and the challenge is how to build a world order for the first time in history on a global basis. So, in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, a new world is emerging. It is a new world order with significantly different and radically new challenges. The affirmative task we have now is, uh, is to actually um, uh, create uh, uh, a new world order. Good evening, everybody. President Obama and British Prime Minister Gordon today calling for a new world order to tackle our 
global economic crisis. And the president outlined his vision of a new world order in which the U.S. would participate fully. We've got to give them a stake in creating the kind of uh, uh, world order that I think all of us would like to see. So I see a world order in the future with a multipolar uh, world order. I think a new world order is emerging and with it the foundations of a new and progressive era of international cooperation. But in a globalized economy, we are going to have to take global responsibilities and there going to, is going to have to be some semblance of global governance. Never before has a new world order had to be assembled from so many different perceptions or on so global a scale. Nor has any previous order had to combine the attributes of the historic balance of power system with global democratic opinion and the exploding technology of the contemporary period. And I strongly believe India will be a central actor in the new world order. There also exists an extraordinary opportunity to form for the first time in history a truly global society. 2009 is also the first year of global governance with the establishment of the G20 in the middle of the financial crisis. The climate conference in Copenhagen is another step towards the global management of our planet. New World Order is the headline in the Globe and Mail in Canada. Is this global governance at last? Is it one world, the central bankers in charge? But aren't we all just living and dying for what the central banks do? Of course we are. We are absolutely slaves to central banks. New World Order. And we're not talking about WCW no. and WWE. There, there's not a we're not talking about Steve Rick Nash Flair. or you know. Yeah, uh, I want. I'm afraid I would heard the mic, but you said Ric Flair, so I want to do that. Yeah. Woo! You know, it's just fun stuff. He's a good guy. No Hulk Hogan, brother. You know, this is yeah. not. Uh, yeah, it's, it's not wrestling. Not not the not the the black and the white uniforms. Uh, nope. Sting converted. I think El Rancho yeah, converted. Like a, yeah, the uh, yeah. the red and black alternate version. Yeah. The, you know, no, no. I think we're talking about. Some people that are far less, uh, far less marketable. That's fair. Their agenda is one world government. Their agenda is government control of our private lives. Their agenda is to silence free speech. Their agenda is to take away our Second Amendment protection to own firearms. The thing that disturbs me the most about my entire experience is that I may be in prison and unable to help in my own way. Welcome, Mr. Roger Stone. So there was Roger Stone talking a little bit about what uh, what the government's basic issues are that they're wanting to control everybody. I got to tell you, if if uh, <laughs> we we might have mentioned it before, uh, but there, I mean, there's a lot to be said about this whole uh, concept idea of the new world order and and Bill Gates. Yeah. Oh, there's there's a lot, yeah. a lot to be said there, and just to scratch it on the little surface. Uh, more and more is being said about that whole ID twenty twenty event. Oh yeah, uh, where basically you know that was uh, wasn't that the uh, like the test run to see if a pandemic yep. we were we were ready for it. Yep, and and something to think about is uh, it was funded by Microsoft, and if you're watching was. television right now, how many commercials are you seeing about all these world companies around the world, organizations, military, police, uh, installments, everyone is functioning on Microsoft Office 365. Mm -hmm. It's a decent platform. We use it at work. It's been very helpful for us. But everything you're seeing right now yes. 
it, it, it's Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft. And then you start thinking about, again, Gates and everything he's got going on, how much money he's made off of this, how much money there is for him to make on this, and just his whole um, – I've seen a stat idea. already that uh, the super rich have already earned like $282 billion from the economy being shut down already. Like the people that own everything have already made – Two hundred plus billion dollars. I don't have that article. Well, I wish I did. Think if you if you inject two trillion dollars of stimulus into the economy, yeah. to a shutdown economy, yeah. you can't stim- stimulate a shutdown economy. It's fair. And if you have, you know, you could have do the math out. Three hundred thirty million people in the United States for two trillion dollars. Essentially, we, every American should have gotten six thousand dollars. But something like that. Yeah. Not what was it? Uh, Twelve hundred. Something but like we that. ended up getting twelve hundred. So w- that delta, where did that go? It, it went to companies. It went to uninsurance yep. or it's unemployment still claims, going there. and it's still going there. Yes. So if the American people themselves only got a small minority of that funding, where did the other two trillion dollars go? Oh yeah. Where's absolutely. that audit trail? I I would like to see an audit trail. Absolutely. But see, one thing that they're doing right now is kind of controlling us with with fear of contracting this thing and uh, fear of spreading it. Uh, The whole term, which is going to be another podcast altogether, contact tracers, is is something that's that's coming. I got got a little bit on that. In some capacity. Uh, There's a whole lot of, of things going on, but how do they control the people if fear is not effective? Well, most people, you know, outside of knowing about this, they think, oh, Bill Gates, he's a nice guy. You know, he, he did the Microsoft, he saved Apple at one point, and, you know, he's 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 a philanthropist. He's given away all this money, you know, the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. But what a lot of people don't understand or may not know, Gates' father used to be the head of Planned Parenthood. Oh, yeah. Uh, their foundation is the top funder of Planned Parenthood. Iowa Senator Chuck... Grassley referred to Planned Parenthood, uh, sent information to the FBI Department of Justice that they were selling aborted fetuses. Now, I remember the story broke. I was very interested in it because I'd heard about this before. Um, outside of getting in a whole other podcast topic of pro-life, pro-choice. Um, of course. What's happening, <laughs> you know, uh, what's happening to re- human remains and how they're being used, regardless of your point of view on pro-life or pro-choice, most people have a problem with, should have a problem with. It shouldn't be widely accepted. really isn't. I never really heard that go much further. Last time I checked, Planned Parenthood's still pretty much in check. Yeah. Still functioning. That's fair. But uh, Is that check like dollars, cha-ching? I think there's some money. Okay. You know, uh, exchanges some hands because the, the, the grandfather of the vaccine, Stanley uh, Plotnick, had given a sworn deposition in 2018 admitting the use of aborted fetuses for vaccines and vaccine research at the We Star, I probably said that wrong, Institute. Yeah. And guess who funds them with millions of dollars? I'm guessing Bill Gates. Yep. Or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yep. One of the two. And that institute also worked with Innovia Pharmaceuticals yeah. on the Zika virus. Well, so this was something that, uh, this was something that I found uh, crazy. I hadn't heard this yet. But I found this video. Uh, so I guess my question earlier that we kind of sidestep, I appreciate that, was if they can't control you by fear, they can control you by controlling the food, control you with yes. hunger and starvation. And um, if you can't eat unless you 
check off a box, then do you check the box off? So this video about the controlling of America's food supply. Shad Sullivan, regional director of RCALF USA, is a fifth generation Colorado rancher and recently delivered this message. Hey everybody, this is Shad Sullivan coming to you from the headwaters of Bitter Creek, Archer County, North Texas. We have to talk. State officials will be assisting to help identify potential alternative markets if a producer is unable to move animals and if necessary, advise and assist on depopulation and disposal methods. Ladies and gentlemen, we are plowing under vegetable crops from coast to coast. We are euthanizing millions of chickens. We are aborting sows and burying feeder pigs. We are dumping milk by the hundreds of thousands of gallons and now they are preparing us to depopulate the fat cattle ready to harvest because of a bottleneck created by the effects of COVID. This thing hasn't been created by COVID, but the effects of COVID and the logistics therein. Yesterday, the first shipment of imported beef from the country of Namibia hit the shores of the United States of America. And yet this morning, they are telling us to prepare to euthanize harvest ready cattle. It is time we get food on the shelves because if you're not concerned about this food supply problem, you better be. We have a huge supply and demand of food across this nation. We can feed the world ourselves and yet we're destroying our harvests. At the same time, we are importing beef from other countries, beef that is less regulated than our beef, less safe, not as high quality of product, and yet it's happening. At the same time, they are preparing for us to euthanize our harvests. That doesn't sound like sustainability to me, but it is part of the overall goal to vertically integrate your food system. You see, they cannot have control of the people unless they have control of the food, the water, the land, production. It is time we get back to work. We are of, by, and for the people. This is not Nancy Pelosi's country. This is not Donald Trump's country. This is your country, and you're going to go hungry. And while American farmers are destroying their harvests, U.S. beef is exported to China. U.S. meat plants are closing at a rapid rate, including Cargill Meat, who supplies 22% of the U.S. meat market, and who partnered with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in 2018 to end livestock production, while expanding the production of genetically modified soy in Africa. Reporting for Infowars.com, this is Greg Reese. We have the amount of food in this country to where we could adequately feed the world and we're having to destroy it is that is that because covid's in the air is that because 
You don't wash your zucchini before you use it or eat it? Well, I want to ask the expert here. That was a be- terrible analogy, by the way. You, you've, you've talked a little bit uh, about having some logistical experience in your career, both uh, private and public, or, you know, for the military and, and everything. Um, do you see logistics as, as something uh, that can be used tactically? Absolutely. What we used to say in the military is um, amateurs talk tactics, professionals talk logistics, because you can only go so far with tactical operations in the military. You can only push so far into an enemy's you know, threshold or their battle space for so long until you get resupplied with something else, that being the logistics side of the battle. And when you look at the U.S. supply chain and, you know, me working for directly and operationally for a Fortune 50 food and beverage retailer, there's adequate supply chain to get everything we need to to the end consumer. So if you start throttling that back, what happens? Now you create a situation where there is increased demand for commodities. Yep. And how do you leverage, to your point, how do you leverage you know, if you don't have fear as a leverage point, then what do you have to use? Commodities. Well, it's it's the same thing we do in other countries, right? We Im- impose sanctions mm-hmm. to try to cripple different infrastructures. We interrupt supply chains. We do uh, uh, what is the naval term? Embargo. Uh, yeah. Uh, to block shipments. If you look historically in wars, um, if it hadn't been for the French coming at a certain turning point. Our revolution might not have gone as planned mm-hmm. because we were crippled on supplies. Um, same thing in the Civil War. Some people th- suspect that um, the Civil War would not have ended in the manner in which it did if the South's supply lines had not been crippled. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, they didn't have the manufacturing that the North did. And, and we're, we do the same thing. I mean, we, Or if you go back to medieval times, right? right? Siege warfare. Yep. Why attack a castle when you can just sit outside... Starve them to death. And starve them to death. Yep. Yep. Oh, the same thing. I mean, any historical uh, stuff I've ever looked at or movies, History Channel type stuff, you know, uh, World War II, World War One, you know, any any other major conflict, uh, you're right. I mean, even, I think, going back into Bible times, you know what yep. I mean? Since the beginning of time, it's been a tactic. And they're really, they're starting to use it on us. Yep. Well, so, not only are they controlling food and... Uh, and the production thereof, or the imports, the exports, the availability, uh, the quantities, because, I mean, they're having to euthanize harvest-ready cattle. So This doesn't make any sense They're to controlling the quantity of food that's available, whoever they is. And so, I mean, why not just harvest those cattle and go ahead and bump up the food supply? I don't know a lot about the shelf life of a cow, but they live for several years. I, I believe so. So, yeah. And they're not exactly going to expire. In theory. You know, so that's the part I didn't understand. And I mean, I get you, you, maybe you don't have enough chicken space for chickens, but chickens are the same thing. Chickens, those chickens aren't going to die. Maybe you just try to stop, let them hang out with roosters or something. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like maybe you got to destroy some eggs. Well, I think, okay, but, so uh, the logistics you know I mean? on keeping the cows alive, the longer they're alive and the less mobile they are, the more fatty they are. And so the, to me, is a good thing. You get a better steak then. Well, that, there's validity there. Uh, but I think it does uh, potentially lessen the quality of meat the older they get and the less muscular they get. Uh, 
Because they are not moving around. Oh, I, I don't disagree with you. I'm I just think saying. that's part of. The, I think that's that. That's all it probably is. A year, is. a year, maybe a but cow can hang we... around for a year. Yeah, but a couple of months. Like I would, if I'm, if yeah. I'm a farmer, I'm not killing a bunch of animals because the FDA told me to. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm happening. moving them into the barn. Yeah, if, if yeah. somebody's coming around with a drone, yeah, you go chill many, some more cud. How many cows do you have? Oh, oh, he's only got three or four cows out there. That's good. Well, whereas I got forty five in my barn right now that you I, I, can't see. I'll tell like, you, that's what I'm doing. If there are any North Texas local farmers that has too much food or too many animals and you yeah. need a butcher, let me know. I'll come buy some. Yeah, if listen, you know what I mean. If you want to, instead of euthanizing that cow, give right, it to a family. Well, instead of just getting rid of it, euthanize it. Call me. Four six nine three seven one two six five five. You give me a holler, it. and I will uh, listen. I'll you know what? I may get rid of too much, but I guarantee you, I'm going to eat some of it, and it ain't all going to go to waste. Well, I mean, if you were to start looking at, at meat doing grinders on, on my more, is on my shopping list right now. On a more local local level, I mean, there are processors of meat here locally that do do mid to small range. You got a lot of people that know how to do it themselves, just from game. That's fair, you know. That's but fair. um, but I I can't also I can't help uh, but see the connection between the globalist view of the environment and and it, you know aspects of this new world order and them trying to attack meat. Yeah, because some people truly believe, um, like their kids are learning it in school. Well, that we're killing the earth because we eat meat. Oh yeah, red meat's gonna kill you. Cow farts. Yeah. Are the methane produced from cow farts? Yeah, is what is crippling um, oh. the world. And and I'm not a scientist uh, by any means, uh, nor do I claim to be an environmentalist. And I and I would never want to mock anyone's education or what they truly feel passionate about. But I'm just saying it does not pass the smell test, pun intended, uh, for me. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, well, I don't. It, I don't want to eat soy who, sausage. The same people who are modulating the food supply. You look at the FDA and the USDA. You know the, US, the USDA Thanks still thrives off of a food pyramid, which is you know what forty years old and and completely not not based in any kind of nutritional science at all. And when we look at what we export to the world for like USAID, for instance, it's all grain and soy. We don't export health to other people. And so there's no value in us keeping that stuff here and trying to have, you know, let's share, let's let's create more, let's spread out the, the meat and the, the good food to everybody. No, we want to export crap to everybody. We don't want people to thrive. We don't want people to be healthy. But that's, the idea of, of importing meat from other countries now is, is very, very mind-boggling. Nothing against other countries' meat, but... Well, that's my it's point. It's the principle of the matter. You're, 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 again, you're trying to cut our legs out from underneath us. You make us poor. You make us hungry. You make us worry about our kids. Now we need help. We are being programmed and conditioned that we need help. It's just like an abusive relationship. You had an abusive parent or an abusive spouse. You're conditioned now to think, well, I, I deserve it. I, I, I can't, no matter how bad it is. I have to have this person above me take care of me, provide for me. Yep. It's it's how some people may perceive a certain political body in this country to have used welfare expansion across uh, the country since uh, <laughs> another podcast. Idea. Yeah, another another podcast. Another idea. But but my point is, is that again, um, shout out to our, our our feed comments. I just want to remind all y'all love each other. You know you do. 
uh, free exchange of ideas and civil discourse is what our country was founded on. It's fair. So y'all keep it up. It's the most patriotic American thing you can do, but don't take it personally. People speaking of speaking of free speech and civil discourse yes. and all this other stuff, San Antonio passed a law that says uh, it is illegal to say Chinese virus and Kung Fu virus and that anybody saying it needs to be reported to the authorities. So check this out. Well, San Antonio News reported the tyrannical violation of free speech like it was business as usual. San Antonio City Council unanimously passed a so-called anti-hate resolution regarding, regarding COVID-19. Deliberate use of terms like Chinese virus and Kung Fu virus encourages hate crimes against Asians and spreads misinformation. While the liberal echo chamber reverberating around the San Antonio City Council was oblivious to the volcanic outrage declaring, as San Antonio, Texas investigator reporter Jai Avila described on Twitter, resolution being voted on by San Antonio City Council this morning labels terms, quote, Chinese virus and, quote, Kung Fu virus as hate speech. And all persons are encouraged to report any such anti-Semitic, discriminatory, or racist incidents to the proper authorities for investigation. Anti-Semitic? Chinese virus? Yeah, it doesn't add up. Why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? A lot it of people say from it's China. racist. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. Texas Senator Ted Cruz lambasted the San Antonio City Council saying, This is nuts. San Antonio City Council behaving like a lefty college faculty lounge triggered by Chick-fil-A and the words Wuhan virus. If they want to investigate someone, start with the New York Times and CNN who both repeatedly and rightly referred to it as the Chinese coronavirus. The measure was passed unanimously by the San Antonio City Council moments after Senator Cruz's tweet. Council member Manny Peleas said during the voting process, hate speech is more dangerous than the virus itself. Actually, tyranny is far more dangerous than the virus itself, but even pointing that out may become the next criminal act, as the Rutherford Institute discovered after defending the right for pro-immigration consultants. So, free speech in San Antonio. Speech is being restricted, regardless of whether it's right, wrong, discriminatory, prejudicial, anything. You have the right to say whatever you want to say, and... You might even, if you were with, within a week down in San Antonio, you may have come across a bit of a demonstration down there, which I'll show you a little bit of. But uh, but my point is is that how where where do they get off trying to say you can't say this term or that term? Because listen, I understand the potential bigotry behind something and whether you should or shouldn't. That is, but we call it Chinese food. Because it's a food idea or concept or recipe that came from China. And I get the president's point. That's why he has called it the Chinese virus. But now people are saying, uh, you can't say this down in San Antonio. Well, what about the newspapers that have published this and they've used this vernacular? 
and but now we can't use the same vernacular that the leftist media is using. Well, and a leftist is telling it, and I'm using. I mean, come on, I'm I'm kind of sounding like a like a chotch here, but I guess my point is is that you you can't restrict oh, speech boy. one way or the other. The thing about the I don't know if y'all heard uh, during y'all's little discussion, but uh, the reporter that was questioning Trump. She was saying there have been reports of dozens of uh, hate crimes or hate speech towards Asian Americans, and I'm sitting back thinking there's probably more like thousands, but she chose the term dozens, which really diminishes the issue at hand. And so I'm sitting back thinking, what are what are we trying? Yeah, there's there's hate. Everywhere, and so using the term Chinese virus is is a hate speech now. Well, I, I think what gets lost in the conversation when we talk about whether or not something is constitutional, you have to look at legal precedent when it comes to constitutional rights. And a city council ordinance that restricts a constitutional freedom is not enforceable. the The Supreme Court has made this very clear that. Only yes. legal-making bodies have the right to create restrictions on constitutional amendments, but they have to be narrowly construed. And narrowly construed means it has to be very specific, and it has to be justifiable and withstand jurisprudence. You know, you take, for instance, the stay-at-home order. Kent versus Dulles was a Supreme Court case that, that established the right to travel as a enumerated right in the Constitution. So... Even though a pandemic is going on, you cannot just say you have no ability to travel anywhere. It's already been established by the Supreme Court that this is a an enumerated right that you cannot restrict. You can't just say you cannot travel at all. And, and I think we need to get Boom. back to having the conversation that is based in legal precedence and pointing out where in the Constitution does it say this? Just the fact like you can't shut down businesses there was a legal case, Patel versus Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation, where they came out and, and the Supreme Court said you can't put an undue burden on a business without having some kind of check and balance, and it doesn't go against what it's intended to stop. And so when you look at Texas and, and the death toll in Texas, we've lost almost 2,000 jobs for every one death of COVID. And the Supreme Court in that case even said, we have to have a system in place that prevents legislators from just passing nonsense measures. That's fair. Article one, Article one, Section nineteen. You can't disenfranchise life, liberty, or property from a you know a member of, of Texas without due process. That's fair. Well, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast topic itself: due process. And I want to touch on that, but we're I do gonna want have to, to listen back to this to get our list of new episode times. I know. I tell you what, I, I want to respond to one thing I saw in the comment thread here. I, at least I'll, I'll speak for myself. I am not a fan or a supporter of anything that is spurned from hate, bigotry, or any other short-sighted, negative, toxic place, right? And I think that the the, the challenge is, is that um, not everything that is said is said from a place of malice. Not everything said is, is said from a place of hatred. 
And now we do have some terms that are more universally recognized as this has been identified as a term of hate, a term of bigotry, uh, a term that has been uh, used to, to hurt people. Uh, no, no, I, I uh, hey, well, it's okay. Just because it's identified as because somebody said it and got offended. No, 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 no. There's a difference in someone taking offense to something and something being used largely to hurt a population. There is a difference between those two things. But what, what I'm trying to say is, is that, yes, some people could be referring to it as the Chinese flu in, in a, with a, big, a tone of bigotry. That's very well possible. Some people might not, might not. For example, in history class, when we learned about the last pandemic referred to as the Spanish flu, we were not learning in racist textbooks about racist comments. So referring like okay, so yeah the Spanish flu is is racist. No, it's not. It, it, it it's things, not. Things Chinese are, food is not a racist thing to say. But again, what people get so you talked about legal president mm-hmm. and I say that word wrong all the time but it's all good. Um there are federal protected classes, right? And so those those have expanded greatly in the last well since we've been alive okay um you got race you got color religion or creed national origin or ancestry sex age physical or mental disability veteran status genetic information and citizenship what is this about what are you what did you say this was protecting classes protected classes so Uh, so so this is where classes generally happens whenever there's a consent and all kinds of other stuff in statistical studies no no well these protected classes in my opinion serve a, a very valid purpose and okay. they're good but they've also laid the groundwork for limiting a freedom of speech not that anything negative or bad should be said to those people but in in places of work uh and and other places publicly even online there's been lawsuits and charges brought against people for the term hate crime or other ter- uh, or other uh things along those lines defamation etc um because someone now can say, "I took offense to this because of this." I'm in a protected class, so you got it's a, a double edged scar on your face. Oh, somebody said something about people with scars on their face. Now I'm offended by it. I mean, well, again, come there's on. A difference Jordan between Peterson it. talks a lot about this because it, it's where does it end? Exactly. It's it's how does your emotional reaction to something I say? qualify as either physical or emotional harm like if i'm a veteran as a protected class and take me back to vietnam right as an example and somebody calls me a baby killer Ugh. and i get offended by that well that's my issue that's I, a that, personal thing yep well, my, joe we talk about this all the time well my thing is is that if if we are against people being treated unfairly against biases then that's what we need to be uh, we need to be about that problem we don't need to be about uh, different classifications of that and letting other things. So, for example, people being untreated, treated fairly because of biases, which everybody has their own biases regardless of anything. And so they can't say something because somebody reacts no, no, adversely saying, to okay. your biases. Historically, and even in present day, there are people, whether it be an individual or groups of people, that are not treated fairly in society. And there are negative repercussions as a result of those practices. Uh, and they, they're targeted or they are punished or they are held back because of these certain different things that people view make them uh, lesser of someone or inferior to someone else, okay? Or they don't like people because of this thing. 
So there, it, that does exist. Well, listen, for a, I'm not a saying different things, and it's I'm not, not right. saying that it's wrong. I'm not saying that it's right. Sorry, I'm not saying that it's right to uh, to treat someone a certain way because of your bias. I'm not saying that that's right. I'm not saying that what you're saying is completely off base. But what I'm saying is right, wrong, or indifferent. Me, me, just expressing an opinion isn't wrong and can't be governmentally regulated because there's not there's not a threshold for fair how do you objectively measure fair right well i think those this is this is good stuff guys <laughs> i want to do yeah um very good points and i don't disagree with any of them all i just want to circle back for a i second want you to those. think about i want you to think about your rebuttal yeah. While we watch a little bit of, if you were in San Antonio within the last seven to ten days, you may have witnessed this event. San Antonio, home of the Alamo, an American and Texas free speech, now hangs under a shadow of tyrants and communists, claiming there is no free speech in San Antonio. There is free speech in San Antonio. Your mayor and other baby tyrants would have you believe that you have no free speech. But you do have free speech to say things that are true and that are not true. That's what the First Amendment's all about. Say ChineseVirus.com. It came from Communist China. And your city council believes that you do not have any free speech like Hitler did like Stalin did, like Mao did, but you do have free speech, San Antonio. And we're here in front of your tyrannical, wicked city hall that said, report anyone that says Chinese virus. My name is Alexander Emmerich Jones of America in Texas, and I am here to report to you the virus came from communist China. So go ahead and try to lock me up, you tyrants, run by the ADL and the Southern Poverty Law Center. What they have said is illegal to say Chinese laws and the rest us. I say you're dangerous thugs. I say you're dangerous tyrants. I say you're un-American. And the city council should move to North Korea. Communist Chinese virus. Communist Chinese virus. Okay. This, this Okay, so first of all, that demonstration in my opinion was a little bit a little much. But how how much did you love the vehicle? Seriously. Well, see, see here I want to just jump in that here, car. Here here's what I'd say and that video could not have made for a better segue. That's fair. Um into what I wanted to say. Okay. Um freedom of speech is an important thing. It is. It's a sacred right. And I firmly stand behind it. But I also firmly stand behind people of all creeds, colors, ways of life uh, to, to be protected under that same constitution I hold so dear. Because at the end of the day, again, not to alienate even more people, but as a Christian, I believe we all came from the same place. We're all brothers and sisters. And I don't see the world as divisively as so many powers that be try to make us see it in. It's fair. Um but that gentleman was well within his rights to do what he just did. But what I want to try to bring up is is that we all have to be careful 
of taking one extreme or the other side of an argument. What happens a lot of times is when you go down that path, a lot of people stop hearing. They stop listening, right? They're defensive listening. So if someone says, like for you, if we like this topic, you heard a certain perspective of it, and so you immediately went to the far other end of the expression, oh, I guess I can't say anything because I might offend somebody. Well, listen, Emily on the feed said if everything's racist, then nothing's racist. Well, I, okay. What I don't like about the use of that word is is that not, my kids do it all the time because they're programmed. So if you say, "Oh man, I, you know, I really I don't like buying this particular product unless it comes from this place," and they're like, "Oh my gosh, Dad, you're being right." No, like it's not everything in the world is racist. Uh, there are some things that are racist if you're subscribing to uh, the classification of people being grouped into whatever these proverbial races are. But every th- there are other prejudices in this world, but a prejudice and racism are two different things. Racism is a form of prejudice. So that you're getting your sidetracking me. I'm gonna circle back. I apologize. So I can wrap it up. Well, listen, Debbie just said that it that it might harm Chinese people. Well, what gives you the right to call them Chinese people right well, now? <laughs> that's I mean that's that, that's my point. Is that labels are what they are, and, and you can qualify anything with or without a label, but. When does so, where only, is the line? Well, here's the problem. So, so you have. I'm trying to think of, of a way of saying this. There's not a, a difference people are hearing in saying, okay, this is a Chinese virus. This virus originated from China. China is responsible for this outbreak, right? But that has nothing to do with the Chinese people. We're talking about a country. We're talking about a power of government. That's so right. if, I'm talking if people. To, when right. people say that, they're talking about a virus. They're not talking about the people. They're talking about where it came from, the problem which is, is the same premise as calling people from China Chinese people or food that originated in China Chinese food. It's it's talking about the item in question, not the people that it that it that live there. But that's the point: is where does it end? Well, it doesn't. And yes, Debbie, I did know what you meant. I I do still know what you mean. But my point was just to say that there's qualifiers. Everywhere and those and you can't just claim that a qualifier to something is a racist or harmful thing to say or to use. Okay, I would say one more thing just because, and then we'll save this for another podcast. Um, but what I had a funny, quick little story. So I went on a date. It was one of the first dates I went on post divorce. Sat down with this individual. She was lovely. Found out she was in education. We're having a nice conversation. We get started talking about some of these things, politics or points of view. And then I realize she's she's coming from the other end of the track than I am on a lot of things. And so one of the things came up is I said, well, if... if Keep going. Just keep oh, going. Just okay. respond sorry, sorry. with, okay, with nonverbal communication. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Two I'm, words. I'm, I'm nonverbally signaling something to you, That's asking right. I, well, for a, a head nod or something. No, Just I, keep going. Well, I understand. I was responding to one definition of that. Good gracious. Anywho, uh, speaking of... So anyway, so we're talking, talking about things, and my point was is why in this country do we have so many things, and I'll use education as perspective, that classifies things by different groups of ethnical backgrounds. Ethnical. ethnical. Well, it's better than how I mispronounced the other word. Yeah. And the point I was trying to make is is that if all children are created equal and all children are equal, what does it matter what one population under the lens of this category is versus the other shouldn't we be concerned about how all children are doing 
and looking at you know these on smaller scales how are the kids in this class doing how are the kids in this school doing how are the kids in this region doing to make sure that everybody's staying equal but that's not what's happening so the point i'm trying to make is is that the government the powers that be new world order whatever you want to say they use these labels they use these divisive terms to try to continue to disrupt and pit us against each other so well okay so they're limiting free speech uh with terms that could in some alternate universe be considered offensive to some people somehow possibly in some possible way somewhere somehow maybe could be and it and it might just be the case somewhere sometime potentially possibly in theory my point here is that that is the that is one cog of a wheel that just puts the foot in the door now listen i'm with you joe in terms of christianity and how we should what should be that thing in our mind or in our heart that governs what we say and how we say it i'm with you there there should be some some filter that we have for us for me and you it's the christian filter it's the godly trying to do something right on a moral compass uh, and we use the bible as that as our guide and and what we say is what we're trying to say harmful uh if it is we shouldn't say it right think before you speak all that stuff it's guided by how we were raised uh biblically um what we think is right and wrong i'm with you there and so Yes, I'm not going to say something to intentionally harm somebody else, even though I have the right to do so. Okay, and I think that we agree on that point, and I think you were trying to make that point a little bit earlier. And I don't remember how far ago, because I've been getting uh, notifications over here. But my point is, is that... Hashtag hand signals. That's right. My point is that uh, the, the taking away or the limiting of your freedom of speech is just one stepping stone to what else becomes limited what else becomes taken away what other rights do you lose because you are supposed to now submit to this new world order and so part of that free speech is also the right to uh, peacefully protest or, or protest or assemble and all this other stuff so check out just real quick check out what some people are having to go through because of authorities uh, maybe extending their arm of the law a little too far. A little bit too far. The four-year-old son is scared. Why is she under They're ripped apart, her son kicking and screaming, held back by two officers. First protester of the day to get arrested for violating the public health order. Deputies arrested another man after this protester got on the beach.
Everything you've witnessed here is illegal. We have the supreme law of the land. It's called the Bill of Rights. Then we have the Constitution on how the government enforces that Bill of Rights. And we have the Declaration of Independence, July 4, 1776, that says it's not just our right, it's our duty to abolish or overthrow a government that becomes destructive of the aims of the Declaration of Independence. And if you look at the footage from Hawaii and everywhere else, the most protected speech is speech protesting for the right to speech. But they're saying, oh no, no right of assembly anytime governments want, starting with Communist China, with Taiwan and Hong Kong rebelling, we can just lock all of you down saying it's a virus anytime they want. Buy and sell or travel, it's all being proposed. Bill Gates has proposed an ink tattoo under the skin. And so they're having a hunger strike. And while they're doing it, they're online signing petitions and politically involved. And the police are saying to them, oh, this isn't for your speech. But we need to have a doctor decide. Oh, see, they're the new priesthood, the new, the new God. You don't need a judge. You don't need a jury. You don't need a crime. Just we're going to take you into the same hospitals that keep babies alive after they're born and harvest their organs, like Governor Northam promotes. And we're going to talk to the bioethics board and the doctor is going to decide whether you're crazy or not. And of course, if you think the government's out of control, if you think this is a power grab, which is obviously true, plus it's your opinion, well, we're going to have to keep you in a psychiatric ward. And just like communist China, when the Buddhists do food strikes, hunger strikes, they snake a tube down your throat and then overfill your stomach, which is one of the most excruciating forms of torture there is. So notice the police here are very like, oh, oh, hi. It's the same thing like the pink sweater on Bill Gates. Oh, I'm sorry. My uniform looks like this. It's the uniform I wear, I wear every day. You know, oh, please. You know, we're the good guys here. We're taking you to the psychiatric ward. This is how medical tyranny under the Soviets and under Hitler exploded and under Mao Zedong. So here is the footage. After speaking to our, my partner yesterday, there's some concerns for your safety, right? We understand what your your your, yep, your standpoint, right? The reason why you're doing what you're doing is to, to take a stand against the city, correct? Not the city. Government. The government. Okay, yes, the government. I'm a mental health worker with St. Joseph's Hospital. We are part of a specialized unit, the Rapid Response Unit with Hamilton Police Services and St. Joseph's Hospital. But why did you come at 8 o'clock? It's our time to go to sleep, actually. My apologies. My apologies for coming at a time that's not convenient for you. But why did you come? I, I was going to let you know. You, you, had some, you had some questions for me. And now the reason why I'm telling you why we were here, my colleagues came out yesterday. They submitted a report based on your interactions. We have some concerns for your well-being and your safety. We need to get down to the hospital. The sooner we get down there, the sooner you can talk to the doctor, and the doctor can make the decision. See, okay? I'm sitting. I'm innocent. So, she's innocent. You're not being charged of any crime, sir. I was going to say, this has nothing to do with any type of crime. You're forcing us can I explain to go something? to some kind of doctor. This has nothing to do with your standpoint, your beliefs, what's going on with your... your your, um, your standpoint the government. We don't want to have to physically force you, okay? I don't have we to have listen to you. Well, you do, sir, because otherwise no. we have to go hands-on, no. we have to handcuff because, you and put you in the back of a cruiser. Because you are not my authority. Can you stand up, please? No. Come on. You have to stand up. Can you stand up, please? No. Please do this. No. I beg of you one last time, I'm going to ask you. Stand up on your own. No. Just put your hands behind your back, please. Okay, can you stand up, please, man? It's Did unbelievable. You want to put some shoes on? That's fine. Okay, can you stand up, please? For thousands of years, humanity has fought 
to get basic freedoms. And in just the last two months, it's all being erased. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you saw... You saw saw people getting arrested for what? Talking about the government, which is... They're right. I don't care where you go. I mean, maybe Nazi Germany back in the 30s and 40s. Maybe you couldn't do that then. Well, I, I mean, I would, I would like. Then I'll be quiet because you're going to say something. I'm sorry about that, but I was going to say we really <laughs> should do an introspective on because I think Hitler, Nazis, Gulag, you know, all that gets overly used and used inappropriately sometimes. That's probably but, true. But there are a lot, in my opinion, distinct parallels of what we're experiencing right now to what was happening in Germany pre Germany pre World War Two. And, and just to dig into some of the tactics they use that are being used now and even some of the origins of what they did that came from here before that. You know what I mean? It's just there's there's a lot of undertones. I, well, I think I think a major difference is that uh, our paralleled Hitler, uh, you know, had a had a two term limit. That's fair. That's well. I mean, here never. Oh, there's so much I want to say right now. But I'll be quiet for a second. And let you speak, my friend. I'm sorry. No. So, and this may be an unpopular opinion, but I I don't give a pass to any LEO law enforcement person who says, "Well, I'm just doing my job." Because Ooh. as a as a military officer, I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution. Yep. I didn't take an oath to support and defend your the boss. law or my boss. Yeah. And I had to make decisions in the moment that were consistent with that oath based upon rules of engagement. And I had to make a determined risk analysis to say, what is the worst case scenario if I do this? And LEOs should, I don't give them any benefit of the doubt. They have a tough job. I'm sorry. That's what the job is. And if you're not doing the right thing and carrying out that duty, you do not get a pass from me. So I don't think we had the videos queued, and I know we're going to be wrapping up, so it might be next episode or in the future. But uh, in some of our research material, there is a case of a video testimonial that I believe a police officer out of Philadelphia or somewhere in Pennsylvania gave. Went viral. He was former military. Spoke a lot to what you're just saying. And another similar story with a protest that the governor in California, Sacramento, last minute pulled the paper. So now, all of a sudden, you don't have the right to assemble there. You had the visual on this. You'll see at some point. It's just uh, they had state troopers in riot gear with batons moving these masses. You had kids in wheelchairs saying, hey, I don't, don't mandatory vaccine. I, you know, the vaccine I was given as a kid put me in this wheelchair. Um you had a preacher being knocked down. So this is looking it is something out of another country, right? So this guy gets up, he's a doctor, but he was an ex Marine. Mm-hmm. Right? Sorry, yep. not ex Marine because you're always a Marine, they say. But uh but he was in the service and he gets on the bullhorn and he starts and again it was done in in a beautiful manner. He wasn't like yelling or screaming at him, but he was saying, like, What are you doing? I've been there. This you know, I'm talking to my friends with the police force here. They're not gonna take anybody to jail. If you if if you think you're going to lose your job, call in sick. The federal government just gave you sick time, and then go work for this this <laughs> this chief of police. But he he really tried to speak to them from a, a, a somebody who's who's been in a life of service to someone in a life of service, and um, it's a beautiful thing, man. His words worked, and they they left. 
and and our obedience to laws should never be predicated on whether or not law enforcement officials are going to carry out enforcement of those laws. You know, we, we should not be predicated on the belief that either I'm going to be held accountable by law enforcement law enforcement or not. That's that's not how our constitution works. That's not how the rule of law works. It's, it, 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 it's similar to some of the underlying concepts of uh, The Last Castle. It's a Robert Redford movie. I don't know if you're watching mm-hmm. it. I love yep. it. And the idea of Excellent the upside-down American flag. You know, we were... Um, I apologize for those of you if I've shared this before, but we had a debate at dinner one night, and my daughter said something, and my mom and my brother were like, oh, your dad's about to get on you, and it was something in, in relation to showing respect to the national anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not... I, I feel differently because, you know, growing up, Again, I loved all my friends, family, been in the service. You know what I mean? The, to me, everything involving that was a respect to the people who served. And, and if you disrespected that, you were disrespecting them. And, and I feel it's very hardened on it. You know, even with the whole protesting of the national anthem in sports in the beginning, I was like, I really got a hard time with this. Oh, um, you should be a teacher. Well, even but, now. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. That really and truly is the most patriotic thing you can do. Because it's an expression of freedom of speech, and it's an expression to protest something, and that's 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 core of, of what we were founded on. And so, my point, what I made in this discussion is, is I want my daughter to respect ideals, and I want her to respect people, and I want to respect a lot of things. But I'm not going to come down on her because the more important lesson for her is is to not be a mindless follower or a sheep. I, I said this just about a year ago. I said there could be a time in my life where that the people that are controlling the government that, that represents that flag don't represent me anymore, That's don't fair. represent my country. And God forbid I might live in a time where I, we might have to rise up against those forces to reclaim our country. Are you talking, about, our like, way are you talking about like 2012 to 2020 or 2008 to 2016? Are you talking about a specific time frame here? Well, I'm, I, I, I will tell you guys. I'm uh, just curious. I didn't know if you were. I I'm not making this up. Shout out to, to www.opinionsofoneman.com. Go back and date me uh, on some of this stuff. But uh, I'll say it one last time. We need, well, I would love to do an Obama podcast too because uh, mm. Lord knows I got stuff on that. But again, this isn't the first example of what we're seeing now, what's being reported now, the, the way information is getting out on the Internet now that wasn't there four, eight, four, uh, you know, eight, four to eight years ago yeah. like it is now. This isn't new. That's fair. The American people were asked to report against each other. Uh, in 97. Red flag. With the HIV outbreak. Out yes. Right. Yes. But more in recent times, red flag at whitehouse.gov was an email address put on the, the United States of America, our government's White House website, instructing Americans to report oh. other Americans. It's suspected who, terrorism. No, no. No, no. It was if you were speaking out against the ACA that Obama was trying to pass. Ah, uh, yes. It's if you were speaking out against it. Yes. If you were speaking out against something that is fundamentally unconstitutional, I don't care what Judge Roberts said in the Supreme Court. Yeah. Constitution does not sit, nowhere in the Constitution can you compel and force a citizen into commerce. Can't do it. That's one of the, one of the fair. best movie scenes that I've relayed back to this whole pandemic is, I don't know if you remember the movie The Siege with Denzel Washington. He's an FBI agent. Uh, yes. yes. And there's uh, martial um, law that's declared in New York City because of terrorism. And they have a suspected terrorist in a bathroom inside. I think it's probably Yankee Stadium or something. And they've got guys who are interrogating them, him, basically illegally using, you know, the cutting tactics and waterboarding and whatever else. And he walks in there and he says, 
he basically tells the general who's played by Bruce Willis that if you go forward with this, you are shredding up everything that the guys who are wearing this uniform had bled and died for. And you know, now, now we're saying it's just it's okay to tear the Constitution up just a little bit for this yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and situationally, situationally, it's it's situ- situationally constitutional. And so, regardless if it's terrorism or if it's a pandemic, the Constitution is there to restrain the limits of government on the people. It's the check and the balance. It is not there to tell what rights we have. It's there to tell the government what role they play and when they overstep their bounds. Well, you know, this will be an unpopular opinion, but again, it's retrospective, right? So what what have I learned from, from then since now? The shooters, the shooting that happened in Dallas a couple of years ago, uh, uh, when there was those protests against the police, and then you had the shooter, and those people were getting shot, and those police officers died in the line of duty protecting all those people that were spitting at them. You know, it was it was a horrible thing that happened. Um, but in the moment, one of the orders given by the chief of police was, "Is that we got him cornered? What do we do?" And he said, "I'm not losing another life." He sent a robot with C4 and blew him up. In the moment, everybody's like, yeah, you know, a lot of uh, not keeping it clean words like he deserved it. Get it. That's how you're supposed to do things. And I and I won't I can't say that I don't believe that certain justice is deserved for certain acts. But <laughs> if we're now looking through a different set of lenses that recognizes that our government in different capacities has framed people and has used and has used law, perverted law like the Patriot Act. Right. Uh, to say, you know what, you're guilty of this. I'm, I'm determining that. I'm going to say this is what you did, and I'm going to tell everybody about it. So now you're guilty before going before a jury of your peers. Any due process? No, no habeas corpus, no nothing. And so people have to understand that that uh, you know one of our, our quotes we've been drawn to: "Where we go, one we go all." Very good. You know what I mean? And also a nod to the, I really think it came from it, uh, is that quote from Martin Luther King talking about injustice for one is injustice for all. Huh. What they do to one of us, they can just like that do to all of us. So I think where it actually came from, it was in, it was inscribed. In this case, it was inscribed on JFK's boat. Yeah, the bell on his boat. Yeah, the bell on his boat. Yeah, that's where the hashtag I think comes from. Right, but I'm wondering. maybe the original inscription was then derived from. Well, I've always I, I, I would like have, I, I suspected that just because if you. Think about Kennedy's position in civil rights and how closely Robert, his uncle, was was working. You know, towards those efforts, probably interacted with Martin Luther King. I don't know. Well, maybe it's possible. I don't know. It's I don't know. But uh, we clearly digressed. Very much so. But I tell you what, this has been great dialogue, though. It really has it's been fun, really and the has. research and the pre gaming has been a lot of fun too. I mean, I mean, I started to bring in a stack of papers, papers, so we could do a dramatic like. And now to the stories for tonight, or now to the news, or something like that, you know. But uh, uh, they did, I decided to go sleeveless. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, yeah. That's keeping fair. it average, Joe's. That's party in a box. I tell you what, man. Show off the gun show. That's right. Shout out to the Second Amendment. Suns out, guns out. Yeah. <laughs> bang bang. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, listen. The the source of today's podcast came from basically Joe and I back and forth saying. What's the deal with, first of all, what's the deal with the date on our episode cover? Because it's wrong. And I love you, Joe. But I, I know you probably haven't been tested for dyslexia 
No, 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 no. I think you qualify. I I got you on this one. I double checked it, but I was I was working on this at the computer after midnight, and I didn't realize it was after midnight. I tell you, that's like what happened. Cause I remember double checking it. It doesn't matter when you made it. Today is the 18th. No, I, I know, but I'm saying I was doing this after midnight, so I'm double-checking the date to make sure I'm putting the day, the following date. Oh, you did it You did it midnight this morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. it said the 18th. Yeah, when we were texting it to like, what, one or two oh, about some of this stuff. and you didn't just open that thing called a calendar and verify it? No, no, I did it. I just looked for what – I didn't look at the – I looked for the You didn't circle, look at the date on the, the day calendar? Of the week. I just looked for the date. And the circle was on Monday. The, it was on the 18th. It was already on Monday. It was on the 18th. It was on a Monday, which says That's Monday fair. right beside it. That's fair. But it, what's I looked the deal at with hands. that, Joe? What's I, the deal know, with not knowing how to read a here's calendar? The thing, but what's the deal? If we don't have, blame it on Gates. <laughs> um, they did not make that Microsoft the, machine thing. that good. Well, I mean, they're probably screwing us up, That's you know, because we're talking about. Them. But here's the deal: uh, if we don't have technical difficulties, we're going to have some type of typographical error from me. That's fair. I mean, it's just kind of the, the... Well, listen, Adam makes a great point. If we keep talking for another two hours, the the date will be correct, but then the day of the week will not be. But here's the other thing, too. That sometimes, actually could have been right last year. That's fair, but sometimes I like to throw things out there just to see if our listeners and our viewership is paying attention. Is that right? You're so um, Little Joe Drops. Well, Joe Drops, yeah. <laughs> I love Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, Joe Drops are the good kind, you Man, know, but what's, the ones you're... But seriously, yeah. what's the deal with the masks? What's the deal with treatment for this COVID thing? And what's the deal with the new world order? Honestly, what is the deal? Guys, we went out and found a bunch of stuff. You, it's up to you to do the research. We, we, you could take what we said for, for fact. You could take it for fiction. You could take it for whatever you want. And, and it, it really means nothing unless you put and invest the time and energy to, to figure out what is being said. Is it right? Is it wrong? Do you agree with it? Don't you agree with it? Because ultimately, that is your choice. You can go along and get vaccinated and get chipped and get uh, ink tattooed or microchip tattooed or whatever it is that you want to do. And trust that plan. That's right. And, and, and you can go to the store only if you've been vaccinated on Mondays every week if you need to but only on Mondays at 4 p.m. or 4 a.m. You can you can be regulated by the government however you feel like you need to be regulated by this new world order government or you can go out and find whatever information is that that causes you to put some of those practices into question should you be doing whatever it is that they're pushing should you be peddling what they're pushing so it's up to you. It's up to the the watcher, the viewer, the listener to do the research, to look into things, to question things. What is the deal with dot, dot, dot? Go listen to Bob Marley's No Woman, No Cry. There's a lyric in there that's always struck me as very, very poetic in these times of emancipation, emancipate your mind. <laughs> Uh, you know, I was, dude, I was right, like, I'm going to throw so Joe Boo. to, like, a The look on Joe Boo's face when I start pulling a Bob Marley reference and the Whalers, I knew it was going to go over golden, but I butchered it. At any rate. Um, that's I, I think echo- that's the biggest thing that has come out of Q. So whether you believe it or not, whether you're all in or none in, one of the things they advocate for is do look, your own research and make up your own mind. Look it up. Yep. Yep. Take the red Absolutely. pill, man. Absolutely. No looking back. Well, you, you can take the blue pill. It's your choice. No, That's the nice thing about the Q drops. It is your choice whether or not you want to go down the rabbit hole or whether or not you want to 
go back to Never Never Land. That's fair. Yeah. Pat, we appreciate you joining, man. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, if if there's a time where y'all can get the kids, I know the back and the forth uh, today was largely between Joey and I. Uh, But, you know, from everything I've heard, from comments that have been streaming, you and Emily going back and forth would probably uh, be just (laughs) as... uh, just as viral of a conversation as what Joey and I have done. And, you know, if if you guys ever wanted to start your own podcast, a uh, couple couple little, little teasers. Uh, one would be Average Me is always looking to expand their brand. But also, we might have something for you a little bit later in the week to kind of tell you how, how Average Does Media can actually help you, if anyone out there who wants to start their own podcast. That's, that's actually fair. Matter of fact, I think... Scalable? And repeatable. I love it. Yeah. Very much so. Well, you know, I think... Join our brand or make your own. Yeah. Through the power of... Do you want to make your own podcast? If so, you're going to need a hosting service. Go to this link. Buzzsprout. bit.ly forward slash AJM sent us. That is A-J-M-S-E-N-T-U-S. Just for using this link... Buzzsprout will give you $20 for an Amazon gift card free and clear after your second monthly invoice. Check out Buzzsprout. You can check them out free for 90 days. All you need to get started is just to sign up, just to have a little bit of that that initiative. Get that thing going. You can get into all the top podcast directories, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you can listen on the Google Play, their Google Minis, the Amazon Alexas, and so many more. We're on about 17 different podcast directories, and it is amazing. You can find us almost anywhere just by searching our author title, Average Joe's Media, or our title for the show, Things You Think You Don't Care About. Easily create and publish episodes. You can upload your Buzzsprout easily. It'll go to all those directories. Your stats are easy to understand. They're easy to show. They're easy to demonstrate and everything you need in a podcast at your fingertips. See how Buzzsprout works in just 60 seconds. Podcasts are amazing. Information and entertainment at your fingertips and earbuds. Maybe you could start your own. You have things to say, but like how, right? Meet Buzzsprout, the easy way to start podcasting. You record anywhere and then Buzzsprout distributes it everywhere. Start with some gear that you already have and a quiet space. If you want to upgrade, Buzzsprout helps you find the right equipment at the right price. When you're ready to publish, Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform. Now your listeners can enjoy and subscribe to your show wherever they want. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening tools to promote your episodes, and more. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. You'll see podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's create something great together. Start your podcast today. Go to the link bit.ly forward slash AJM sent us and let everybody know what you got on your mind, what you need to let the world know about. So, guys, Ooh-wee. I mean, if you're wanting to start your podcast, Buzzsprout is where you go. You know, and if, and if you're saying to yourself, man, I want some more of that Average Joe's Media magic in my life, go over to www.averagejoesmedia.com. 
click on the link services, take a peek at what we can do for you, how we can help you grow your brand, identify your brand, even create your brand. That's what we're here about, Average Dose Media. That's right. And you know what? If you just like listening to us, you can find us on all social media platforms, all podcasting platforms. We highly recommend because they're out there everywhere and everybody's got a smartphone, it seems like nowadays. iTunes Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Google Play. Those are those are the top four. And you can listen. You can go back and find some old episodes. You can uh, finish this one if you didn't yeah. follow through the entire uh the entire entire two hours and forty minutes. Who wouldn't, Joe? Because your voice is like a combination of Fergie and Jesus uh, all day. Voice of an angel. That yeah. is fair. That I mean, that's I very do appreciate. Fair. You are more than welcome. Now I've heard it. I've heard back. it both ways. But Absolutely. I'm not going to disagree with you on that one. But also, you know, go out there, take a look, use these different services, and, and help. Contr- I mean, who knows? Maybe one day you'll have six thousand downloads too. Maybe. Maybe hopefully, we're, hopefully we're going to be getting to seven thousand pretty soon. Baby steps. That's right. Hey man, Rome wasn't built overnight. Hey, until next time, I'm the average Joe Boo. I'm the average Joe. Telling you to keep it clean. One, two. Three and two to four, average Joe and Joe Boo on your radio. Ready, make a podcast, so turn it up, cause you know we about to mix it up. With music, sports, games, and more on the podcast, things you think you don't care about. Ain't nothing but a Joe thing, baby. Two guys with mics getting crazy. We picking up material daily, so don't miss an episode.